obviously. Um, I'm a huge Caps fan. I always have been. And to be there at that game with my teammates and for us to bring, you know, our gold medals to to there and share it with everyone in this area was really, really special for me. And just the support and it's been tremendous from everyone in this area. And you could feel that there at that game. Welcome to Sports on the Hill podcast. Hashtag DC Sports Without the Politics with Carol and Robbie on True Radio Network. Live. Well, welcome. This is Robbie reporting live for Sports on the Hill podcast. This is episode uh, number 210. And uh, welcome on in. Uh, we're going to start off things a little bit different uh, than we usually do. We're going to start off with our Wizards roundtable in just a moment. We've got our whole uh, team uh, inside uh, the, I guess, Man Cave Studios. I don't know. You guys are all in different locations, but um, it, we're all going to bring it to you. Uh, the Wizards a live game, which right now the Wizards are up 79 to 56. So we're going to bring in some guests. We're going to talk about how they got to have this big lead here early um, in the third quarter, or actually maybe midway through the third quarter. Uh, and then we'll uh, talk about last week. And they've had some uh, definitely, I would like to say ups and downs, but it was mostly down. Uh, they lost a bunch of close games. We'll go through each one of those. We'll also break in with scoring updates from this game. Right now, Bradley Bill already has 21 points in it. Uh, there is also some injury updates that we'll talk about as well. Uh, and then we'll, we'll take a look at the week ahead. So we'll try to do that all in the next half an hour or so. And then uh, Carol will be joining us uh, at the top of the hour, nine o'clock, if you're listening live right now, uh, about 30 minutes into the show, if you're listening back, uh, we'll be uh, having, I believe, Dujanay on and Carol, and we'll be talking about the Washington football team season and their unfortunate loss uh, this past week. And then uh, after that, we will uh, probably bring in DC's People's Champ uh, and also Brian, and we'll talk about the NBA or the NFL playoffs as a whole. Uh, what happened last week? What we think about what's going to happen this upcoming week? And then around ten o'clock, uh, with uh, we'll bring Anna in and uh, we'll talk some hockey. If somehow Washington Football Team talk is the full hour, we may do our. Uh, general football segment at the end of the show. So, you know, things are going to be a little bit flexible on this podcast. We've got a lot of great people on, so I want to bring them in. I'm going to introduce our NBA roundtable to start here. Um, and again, so 10 o'clock hour, we're going to do hockey talk, hockey starting this week. So uh, uh, stay tuned for that segment as well. And uh, we'll also have live scoring updates from this uh, national championship game that's happening in football 
as well um, at the Hard Rock uh, Coliseum. Alabama is currently up 7-0 with eight minutes left in the first quarter. So I'll have scoring updates from that. Uh, Robin Lopez of the free throw line. Again, that game, that score right now is 83-58 to 58, uh, with 6-54 uh, left. Uh, they actually just missed a free throw, but got a rebound and scored a bucket off that. So uh, it was a good miss by Lopez, I guess, uh, from the free throw line. Um, anyway, let's bring in the, our team and then we'll get into uh, breaking down how the first half went and then we'll go back in time a little bit and talk about how the week went. Uh, our first guest is going to be um, Tim Clark. How are you doing today, Tim? Oh, I'm doing great. Riding high off of uh, the Ravens win yesterday, uh, which really softened the blow on Monday's shitty work day. Yeah, for sure. Congratulations. Uh, I also uh, rooted for the Ravens in that game. I didn't expect to uh derrick henry to not play as well as he did uh but uh an incredible victory nonetheless and uh uh you know i thought that the rushing attack by the ravens combined from their running backs but obviously their quarterback was just uh, too much for them to handle and it was a good game plan and it was nice to see them get a big playoff victory so uh yeah. hopefully yeah, hopefully they'll be uh able to continue that uh next week it'll be an interesting matchup uh going to buffalo um and uh so we'll see how that goes but uh we might talk about that at the end of the segment a little bit more but uh again congratulations on the ravens and uh, welcome uh to the nba roundtable we're going to bring in our next uh guest which is uh brian brennan uh, from uh, he's a host of upon further review with brian brennan who has the latest podcast out where you can find out more uh of his nfl thoughts and some baseball uh talk and a lot of great interviews and uh how are you doing today brian I'm doing well, Robbie. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, I'm unfortunate that the uh, um, that this is the last Washington football team uh, segment that I'll get to do. They didn't uh, get past the game, but they played well, and I was very impressed by that. And uh, shout out to Taylor Heineke. He balled he, out. Yeah, he was great. The whole entire country kind of took notice of him. And this guy was studying for finals just a couple of weeks ago. Gets a call up, joins a practice squad, an injury, and an emotional head case, and you're suddenly starting. Uh, that next matchup. And uh, so um, that's pretty crazy, but I'm really happy for, for him. So that was very exciting, but I encourage people to go check on upon further review with Brian Brennan, uh, as well as our next guest, uh, both are on the podcast partners button sports thp.com. If you want to check out either of the podcast, the other person I'm going to bring in right now is champ, a DC's people champ, uh, Ken Washington. How are you doing tonight? Doing well, watching this amazing performance from a very pissed off team. They need to play like this all season, but I'll get into it later. How's everybody doing? Good, good. I'm uh, I'm excited. Yeah, uh, we're we're gonna get to your segment next, where we're gonna kind of break down this uh, first half uh, scoring update, ninety one sixty two, uh, and actually a, a runner is good to make it ninety three sixty two. I am um, I, I like uh, um, Neto. He's good. Um, all right, next uh, guest is our stats guy. He's got a very mystical background, very wizard-like of him, um, is Arun Bhattacharya. How are you doing today, Arun? Uh, not bad. I'm taking advanced math classes like Taylor Heineke. I'm going to be the wizards of stats working on that degree right now. Nice. And hopefully um, RG3 is also taking some math classes too. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, hopefully... Uh... Uh, hopefully he, he, I don't maybe as an agent for somebody or something in the future we'll see how he does in the future of being an NFL player but uh um I'd be curious to see where he ends up next year I mean he's probably not on a team he needs to brush up on math or 
real estate sales skills. Yeah. So even if they made it all the way, um, Tim, he couldn't come back, right? Like he's done for the season. Well, he was taken off of IR because the IR rules are different this year and you can do it for like a minimum of four weeks or something. And um, he was eligible to play and, and the Ravens just said, I think uh, Huntley is a better backup. So the fourth string guy kind of stole his job. Interesting. Because huh. he look he looked good in two mouth. So, the, so they cut they cut him or he's no like, no no he's uh like uh inactive inactive. So, so they of, they could activate him for the next game if they wanted to. Yeah, but he's on. They also have larger rosters, so he's like on the fifty-two man, but he's never active. I think you know like that, that, that makes sense. Rights. Yeah, that makes sense because they don't want somebody else to pick him up on a playoff team to like use his his yeah. knowledge of the Ravens game plan or something yeah that makes a lot of sense all right well let's get into wizards talk i'm going to start off with um uh champ giving us a rundown uh the wizards broke out to a very early first half lead uh what were what are some of your thoughts initially on that as i get some of the stats live up on screen like i said in my intro this team came out of the gate playing as if they were extremely pissed off and they have every single right to be pissed off. You can't come into, you come into a game after losing consecutive losses to division, to conference rivals, especially on, on, on the last game where you absolutely got boat race, regardless of what the score says, you got boat race. So you're coming in pissed off. And unfortunately the Phoenix Suns, who you can see by the record, you can see by the 73 record aren't any slouches, but guess what? They're playing against a very motivated team. Bradley Beal is playing motivated. Uh, Davis Berton is playing motivated. Neto, um, Robin Lopez. Now, you know, he's, he's, he's the guy now with no, no, no TV. They're playing pissed off ball. And if they play pissed off ball like this every game, there's not really a team that can stop them, period. That's what I got with there. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, all right, sorry. I was just uh, texting with Carol. We're just making plans for future parts of the show, trying to produce and talk same time. You know, it doesn't always work. So, uh, yeah, good first half, though. They outscored them 29-15 in the first quarter and 39 39- uh, to 27. It's a crazy score in the second. Uh, looks like uh, Lopez is playing well with a double double. Uh, Bradley Beal's got 25 points and nine assists already. Um, you know, it's, it seems like there's getting co- uh, contributions from around the team. Uh, I'm going to bring in Arun uh, next. I want to get Arun's take on some of these injuries that have happened this past week, and then we'll very quickly go through these past ones. Yeah, uh, Thomas Bryant was just ruled out for. The rest of the season, he'll return in uh, the 21-22 season. And Robbie, you alluded to this before last t- um, time. Are the Wizards better without Russell Westbrook? Um, well, we'll find out because right now he's going to be out for with a calf injury. And it looks like maybe the, that's the case because Russell Westbrook has been taking terrible shots. And we'll see what happens um, going forward. But right now they're blowing out the Phoenix Suns. They played a competitive game against the Miami Heat. And we'll see. Um, hopefully this trend continues for the Wizards. 
Yeah, for sure. All right, let's um, we're gonna do a quick speed round because I want to catch all these past games and all the games coming up. So it's a lot. So uh, I'm probably gonna uh, go through each game and get your quick take, but not go through all the scoring by quarter. And uh, but I'll let you guys each bring like one fact to the table you want to talk about in each game. They were all losses. They were all close. Uh, the first one uh, to the 76ers. Um, you know, it started off uh, pretty hot for the 76ers. Uh, and then uh, the Wizards made a little bit of a game of it in the second half, but ultimately uh, they uh, were defeated 141 to 136 in a high scoring game. Uh, Tim, I'm going to get your take on this game first. Well, I feel bad for Beal because uh, this was the game where he put up 60 points, but it was a loss. And I think he tied the franchise record, uh, which is amazing. But yeah, the Gilbert Arenas on his birthday, uh, he tied his record. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I like that. But you want to see it in a win. Um, very frustrating to take the lead in the fourth quarter, but then blow it. Classic case of using all your energy for the comeback, but then not for the win. And uh, yeah, just a, another close loss in Philly early in the season. Yeah, for sure. All right, I'm going to go to DC's People's Champ. What are your thoughts next? Uh, I got to agree with Tim there. Um, you can't go out there and have your one of your star players go out there and make a have a milestone night, and you can't go out there and win it for him to make it a sweeter uh, milestone to tie, or even give him an opportunity to set a new mark by having them having forcing the for seventy six to have to play to keep the lead or to get back the lead. So that's right. That's that right there. I honestly just feel like. They, you know, coming off the, the a big, big, close victory over Brooklyn, they were going up against the top seed and the, the top team in the East, and they kind of let down a little bit. Uh, they should have played up to them. I felt like it was kind of a letdown victory. And even with Bill going off with 60 points, it just felt like they just weren't motivated enough to even win and try to show the top team in the East that guess what? We may be at the bottom, but we y'all still not better than us, at least on this night. For sure. Uh, I'm going to go to Brian. What are some of your thoughts on uh, this game? Yeah, um, career high for Bradley Beal. Franchise record is very impressive. Um, like you guys said, you'd love for it to come in a win. But I think it's really impressive that we went four years without having any 60-point scores in the NBA since Kobe's last game. And then we had it twice in three days with Steph Curry and then Bradley Beal against the Sixers in this game. So that was – I like seeing Beal put up a career high and these points. I mean, he was on fire, especially um, in the first three quarters. He kind of slowed down a little bit in the fourth. Um, but like, like Arun said, it's disappointing to take the lead and um, to eventually uh, blow it is definitely disappointing for the Wizards. It's a winnable game for sure, um, you know, against a team that started off so well, like the Sixers. Um, yeah, this was a disappointing loss, I think, and, and um, started a, a theme of, you know, close but no cigar for the Wizards this week. Yeah, for sure. It was uh, overall disappointing. And uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot more to say about it. But I mean, 60 points is a hell of an effort. Unfortunately, uh, three times in the last year, he's broken, I believe, 55 points and all three have been losses. So that's disappointing that like his three best games, you know, he hasn't gotten a win for all that effort. Uh, so it's something that they definitely need to work on. All right, let's move on to the next uh, game, uh, which is the Celtics game. Uh, I'll just get let Arun you know, run away with it right now. Arun, what were some of your thoughts on uh, this 116-107 uh, close matchup? Yeah, uh, Bradley Beal with another impressive game, but 
like the previous game, he only had, he came up pretty cold in the fourth quarter. He only had four points, all with 116 left in garbage time of that game. And he only had three points in the last game in the fourth quarter. Um, so overall, a disappointing performance. Uh, Russell Westbrook took a lot of terrible threes. Um, another stat about Bradley Beal was the he was the last player to have back-to-back 40-point-plus games and losing efforts. And so that was a disappointing stat. And he also was averaging 50 points per game in both of those stretches in his last two games. And so Beal has used to putting up numbers and losing effort. Russell Westbrook was pretty awful in this game. Uh, he, I, he was taking terrible shots. Um, it looked like he was limping towards the end, and that was the calf injury that appeared later. Uh, Jason Tatum was taking advantage of Beal, even though the stats may show that Beal was guarding Tatum well. It didn't look like that on the court because Tatum was bigger, creating mismatches. Rui Hachimura couldn't guard Jalen Brown on the other end. And it was just like, um, even though it was close, it was surprising that it was close in the fourth quarter. The Wizards had a chance to win. Um, Beal again came up short and Westbrook was pretty cold down the stretch in this one for sure uh, Ken what are some of your thoughts on this matchup um, I, I feel basically everything that Arun said I, I, I concur with sorry I'm sitting there watching this team go up by 28 right now I'm sure Rob will give a score update shortly but I mean again this is the second game in a row where Beal scored 40 plus he scored 101 points in two games and you're 0-2 like th- that's unheard of that your star player and your bit, your top score has scored 101 points in two games and you still lose both games that just you can't do that to your, to that guy, to, to your guy. You just can't, you got to go out there and you got to compete. Uh, I think the one thing about this game that really was the, the, the telling sign was again, a lot of lapses on defense. It was a lot of lapses on defense is why the score is the way it is that they lost by nine. Uh, because uh, there's a lot of lapses on defense, especially in critical points in the game. And it's because of that, that they went on to lose this game and lose it pr- not convincingly, but lose it just in a, in a heartbreaking fashion, especially given the fact that your star player went out there and once again, balled out of control. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Bradley's doing it again tonight. He's 12 for 19 with 34 points. Uh, They are up 104 to 78 right now. So they're playing really well. I mean, um, that was sort of a tied quarter. Uh, They both teams scored 36. Uh, Again, Wizards uh, had, you know, really big first two quarters. And if they tie the last two, I'm fine with that. That's, you know, that'll come away with a W. So uh, they just got to keep on um, continuing to play well. uh, And hopefully uh, Bradley Beal, uh, he just shot a really nice three and hope he continues uh, his hot hand and they sort of distribute it well and just sort of, you know, finish this game. Um, I'm going to let Brian step give on his... their necks, step on right. their necks and crush the wind. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on this uh, Celtics game before we move on to the next one? I agree with what everybody said so far. Bradley Beal was incredible once again in this game um, and, and another 40 point night. Um, but it just wasn't enough. And that's got to be really, I mean, I'm not a Wizards fan, but I, it's frustrating to watch, to know that they have been, come so close in these last two games and in the game against the Heat as well when they were very shorthanded. And to come up short in all, both, all three of these games has to be very frustrating for Wizards fans. Um, to know that Beal is putting up 
career night after career night and to come up short, it's frustrating. I could hear the frustration. I watched the last like five minutes of this game and you could hear the frustration in the broadcaster's voice commentating. Like they could tell they're tired of the wizards making the same mistakes. And um, Arun alluded to this earlier, but we're going to find out if the wizards are in fact better without Russell Westbrook, because you know, he suffered an injury in this game, missed the next one. And now he's out for at least a week. So far tonight, they're looking pretty good. So we'll find out. But like Arun said, this was a bad night for Westbrook and uh, kind of a bad night for the Wizards all around, even with Beal's great performance. Yeah, and as you were alluding to, as we're moving into this Heat game, uh, you know, uh, they played pretty well. I mean, they led up 47 points in the first and 28 in the second. In the third, um, uh, Miami really kind of, they separate themselves, uh, 28 to 15. And then in the fourth quarter, uh, the Wizards just, uh, they really put a gutsy effort together to try to come back into it, scoring 38 points in the fourth, but it wasn't enough. Um, you know, Butler went off, uh, Tyler Hero went off, uh, Dragic went off. But uh, for the Wizards, uh, I thought that Denny Avedija played very well. Um, Rui Hachimura played well at times. Um, you know, there was... Uh, Garrison Matthews, uh, we saw contributions from all over. And I mean, we still put up 124 points. Again, the issue is on the defensive side. Like we're able to put up enough baskets. It's just, they can't get the stops when they need them. Uh, Tim, what are some of your thoughts on this game? Yeah, this was a really disappointing defensive effort, especially in the first half. It was a very entertaining game, especially the first quarter because uh, both teams put up uh over 90 points combined. Uh, everybody was just hitting threes. There was uh, small lineups playing for both teams, heavy with uh, guys that could hit threes. And so it was kind of a very lazy uh, old school NBA game where people weren't really trying uh, very hard on defense. And then the Heat obviously smothered the Wizards in the third quarter, but the Wizards JV squad had a great fourth quarter and made this interesting at the end. And to me, that was uh, very optimistic for this game because you had a lot of guys that were fighting for minutes and just trying to prove themselves, and they put in A-plus effort. And I think um, even the starters like Beal might feed off of that for future games because it was a big like kind of gut-check game because two big injuries in a week and then all these losses, but at least showing some heart you know, is a good, good future sign. Yeah, we just trained another three to go up 109 to 78, 10.45 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, they're continuing to play well here. Uh, Ken, what were your thoughts on this Heat, Heat Wizards game? Yeah, this, this Heat Wizards game was, was tough. I mean, you came in, no Russell Westbrook. This is going to be the first back-to-back game he was going to play this season. And then find out he's got a, a quad injury. He's not playing, a calf injury. He's not playing. Okay, cool. At least we got bread. No, he was in close contact with someone who tested positive for COVID. He's out. Okay, cool. Let's go. Two minutes in. TB goes down. Knee injury. Doesn't put weight on it. Oh, crap. <laughs> you lose three of your top guys, and you're out there with the bench. Shout out to guys like, Gar- like Garrison Matthews and Mo, and Mo Wagner and, all, and Mo. And all really, they went out there, and they, they were put in a very tough spot, given the fact that you don't have three of your top guys. And they went out there, and they balled, especially Garrison Matthews especially Neto. They went out there and they balled. Unfortunately, as the story seems to be, they don't seem to know how to stop people from making baskets. And that seems to be a problem. And what's even funnier is when we used to do the playoff roundtable last season, 
Who was the main person I kept talking about when the Heat were making that run? Tyler Hero. And he yeah. had a career high 31 points. So again, just, just a, a very disappointing loss, but it's because of that loss that we're seeing what we're seeing tonight. For sure. All right. Uh, Arun, any final thoughts on this one before we uh, switch gears looking ahead? Yeah, as Ken said, they were out Westbrook and Beal. And with Thomas Bryant going down, the Wizards are really shorthanded. And Burt Tanzen make a single three in this game. And they were down by single digit. They were down by like only a point for a couple of possession after Denny Adia hit three threes in 45 seconds with a couple minutes to go. I would have liked them to keep going to Denny. Instead, Rui took a contested mid-range jumper. Um, you got to make it or pass it to the hot hand. Uh, but considering that everyone was out against a team that made it to the finals last year, this was a good effort by a Wizards team that was extremely shorthanded. That's what I want to say. This whole season's been a whole a season of good effort but losses, right? So it's not like I feel at any point that we were playing badly or, you know, from an offensive perspective or just overall. I mean, we're staying in a lot of these games. It's just um, – it's not enough. They're just barely being beat. And it's just, unfortunately it's led to eight losses, but I mean, a lot of these games, I would say anywhere between two to four of them were definitely winnable games for the wizards. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, um, how they end up doing. Uh, so score right now is one eleven uh, to 82 after the, the missed free throw there. Let's just, um, I'm going to run down the up, the upcoming uh, schedule um they're, the jazz are playing uh the wizards in washington on wednesday it's a seven o'clock game the pistons uh washington goes to detroit on friday uh which is nice so they got a day off between those games uh then uh, the cavaliers come to town as an afternoon game on sunday uh so while you're watching some football on one tv maybe you're watching basketball on the other so uh cleveland on sunday at two and then on monday so it's a back-to-back two o'clock games uh, the Cavaliers play Washington again. So again, so Washington plays Cleveland at two o'clock on both Sunday and Monday, both in Washington. I know it's a little bit different than you would have seen in previous years, but I just want to put that out there. So next week we'll be recapping a little bit about this game that we're talking about uh, during it just briefly. Uh, and then we'll get in these four games. I want to just get your, all of your quick to- uh, thoughts on each of these um, four games. I'm going to start off with champ. Uh, Jazz, Pistons, and Cavaliers twice. What do you see coming up for the Wizards this week? Well, first thing, for if people are wondering why there's a 2 o'clock Monday game, that's because that's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So that's why that game is being played at 2 o'clock because it's a holiday. Number two, I see that I feel like this Wizards team can continue to play this kind of pissed off sort of play. Uh, the Jazz are no slouch. They're fourth in the West. Uh, if I When I look at this, I see, I see three and one. I think they don't beat the Jazz. I don't think they beat the Jazz, but I think they could beat the Pistons, and I think they could beat the Cavaliers on back-to-back nights. So if I had to gather a guess, I would say they go three and one in the stretch to, to continue to improve on their mark in the, in the Right. Sounds good. Brian, uh, I'm going to go to you next for sort of a more outsider's perspective. Uh, what are your thoughts on the week ahead? Well, I actually think this is going to be a little more winnable game, uh, series of games for the Wizards. I think the Jazz game is going to be tough. Uh, the Jazz are a very good team. Um, they're uh, one of the top teams in the West. Um, they've got Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, a lot of talent. Um, so we'll see what happens there. That could be a tough game. 
I mean, the Suns are a good team in the West too, and they're taking care of them tonight. Uh, I think they could beat the Pistons as well. The Pistons are not very good this year. And um, same thing with Cleveland. I think those are, I think they'll split the Cavaliers games, um, but um, I think they'll definitely win the Pistons game. So I'm seeing a two week game for the Wizards, a two week, a two win week for the Wizards. I had to say that right. Um, that sounds good. Um, it's definitely better than they have been doing. All right, Tim, what are your thoughts on uh, this uh, set of four games coming up? I'm going to go ahead and agree with Ken and be optimistic and say three and one as well. The Wizards never do what we think they're going to do. So I could also see them beating the Jazz easily and then losing the next three because that's what the Wizards were, are capable of too. Mm-hmm. But um, very winnable games. The Pistons have an even worse record than the Wizards if we win tonight, I believe. So. That's part to do, and uh, Cleveland's pretty bad. So I like I like this week of uh, games coming up, and the, a lot of uh, home home games too. Right. Um, all right. I'm gonna go to uh, Arun next and get your thoughts on uh, this upcoming week. Well, now I'm gonna use my wizard powers and, and stats, but because the Jazz are coming off a of back to back game from Tuesday. I think that is actually a winnable game for the Wizards and I'm going to be the optimist of the group and have them going 4-0 this week. Wow. We'll see if they I retired the Wizards stats guy of the night after this week. Awesome. That sounds good. All right. So um, for people who are watching live, I, this is the producer feed. I also like to give insight. We're going to bring Carol. He's going to have a different feed. He's going to do his intro and then he's going to jump in here in a second. Um, so I just wanted to go over this uh, game right now. It's still 113 to 89. Um, the Wizards are playing well. The Suns are doing a little better this quarter uh, to start, but overall with about eight minutes left, they're doing pretty well. I am going to end this screen share uh, there, but um, I'm going to let each one of you guys get your uh, final take. And then uh, we're going to start our football segment at about 9.05 in about five minutes. So uh, with that, I wanted to, um, Tim, I, I uh, what are your quick thoughts on uh, the upcoming game uh, for the Bills before we let you go? Uh, I think it's going to be a very tough game that could go either way. I felt the same way about the Titans game uh, yesterday. So I'm obviously not going to guarantee victory, but I think it could definitely uh, go Baltimore's way. And my friend who's a huge Bills fan thinks their weakness is run defense but he's also maybe going for the uh, negative reverse jinx and he's guaranteeing a Ravens victory. So we'll see. But um, I think Lamar is going to play with a lot of uh, less stress this week to get that monkey off of his back is is huge. And I just feel like the Ravens have, have had a successful season, even if they lose because of the COVID situation and, you know, at least they got a playoff win. So good to end that six six year streak too yeah exactly yeah we haven't had a playoff appearance um um you know for the washington team you know in five years so it's uh yeah i'm happy that at least both teams got to show up one of the teams got a win so you know it's been it's been a little while so um, for the dmv a a banner year which is yeah exactly (laughs) exactly so but but, uh yeah, hopefully you guys get a big win over the Bills this upcoming week. And uh, yeah, appreciate thank, it. thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy the rest of this uh, basketball game. Yeah, have a great show. Thanks again. Yeah.
Thank you. All right, Arun, I'll let you uh, have the final uh, final say. I, I, I like your background. Um, uh, it, it looks uh, like RG3 won't be a part of the playoffs this year, but I know that you're such a big fan. Do you have any uh, final thoughts on that or anything at all? Oh, no, Arun, you're, you're muted. Yeah, just three more wins for RG3 to get a Super Bowl ring, apparently. Uh, I'm just wondering what Washington's playoff run this season would have been with the prime RG3 in 2021. Um, Can you imagine if he had like built up and become this dominant force over the years? Like what was like originally planned? It would have just been such a weird thing. Yeah, like it's just like even though uh, semi-serious enough, the 2012 game did come to mind. This was like another playoff game at home, third playoff game at home. Like 2016, they were also actually up 5 nothing against the Packers with Kirk Cousins. Uh, this game with Heineke, he played out of his mind, but just imagine a prime RG3, like 10 years, he was actually healthy. But no, RG3 is crazy, doesn't slide, gets knocked out. And now apparently he can't even run and stay healthy, but RG3 has a chance of the Super Bowl ring. That's good for him, staying on a team. I did not expect this a couple of years ago, but maybe he has it in him to ride the bench a couple more weeks. Right. That sounds good. <laughs> it's hard to keep a straight face, um, but uh, well, I appreciate your RG3 and Wizards insight as always. And uh, we look forward to having you on uh, next week as uh, we break down uh, this uh, big week. We'll have five games. Well, I mean, we won't really break down this game because it's uh, almost over 116 89 642 left in the fourth quarter but uh arun thank you as always uh for uh joining the round table thanks shout out to jay gruden and bill callahan <laughs> uh the ultimate troll arun i appreciate it as always um all right, so um, we got just about two minutes until we'll start our football talk. Uh, right now, it's one sixteen to ninety one. Um, driving down the lane, a big time foul. Um, it's uh, gonna, I think, send um, Bradley Beal to the line, and uh, I think it is, or is it a jump ball? I don't know. I, I couldn't tell if he got all ball. Uh, but um, oh, they are. I think they are jumping it. Yeah, never mind. Uh, so it's one sixteen ninety one. 6.15 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, but uh, DC's People Champ, any uh, quick thoughts? We'll get your your big-time thoughts uh, of the football a little bit later. Uh, but any thoughts on how this quarter is going and what you think about the rest of this game? Uh, well, it's crazy because right now Bradley Beal sits one assist away from a double-double in terms of points and assists, and he's th four rebounds away with a, that one assist from a triple-double which he doesn't get a lot of those. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. Rui Hachimura is a, a rebound away from a double-double. Um, and it's just great to see that this team is, again, just playing so inspired and pissed off um, and just need to keep it up, period. Just keep it up. Don't don't let up. Like I said, put, step, put your foot on their neck and crush the windpipe. Sounds good. Well, we'll uh, bring you back in towards the end of the show, and uh, you can let us know how uh, this all wrapped up and uh, during uh, one of our football segments coming up. So we'll talk to you in a little bit. We'll do. All right. Sounds good. All right, Brian, uh, got one minute until football talk. Any, uh, any quick thoughts before uh, we get into that segment? Uh, I just want to say it's kind of interesting that uh, the three teams the Wizards played this week, the 76ers, the Celtics, and the Heat, have all had COVID tests. 
uh, positive COVID cases in the past couple of days. Um, so I'll be interested to see how and if that affects the Wizards in any way moving forward. Um, I'll be interested to see what the NBA does. They have a board of governors meeting scheduled for tomorrow. There's rumors of a potential seven to 14 day pause that I've seen uh, for the season. So we'll see what happens. Uh, COVID is, we'll see how the NBA handles this. This is the first real big situation they've had in the pandemic. So we'll see. Got it. Sounds well, not good. It's uh, it sounds, it isn't good. Yeah. It sounds bad. And uh, <laughs> we'll see uh, how, uh, how that all shakes up and, uh, all righty. Well, I think that um, we will bring in Carol now. We'll talk a little football. We'll bring Brian back in in a little bit. We'll talk uh, some football with him uh, as well as the, how the, the results of this Wizards uh, game. So um, I think Carol should be coming on in just one moment. Robbie G, what's going on, my man, my man? CP3 just got in the building. Welcome to another episode of Sports on the Hill podcast on True Radio Network. We got the Washington football team breakdown, recap of the season. And Carol, we- I, Carol, I need your camera on now. Otherwise, you more? Uh, not on my screen, on the Zoom. Uh, oh, I thought I clicked it. There we go. There we go. There we go. I see your face. That- all right, I was wondering where I could have swore <laughs> I clicked it, man. I was doing a lot of stuff going you, on. You're all good. All good. I just want to all see right, my cool, face. Cool. Appreciate that. Yeah, I thought I hit it, man. I know I hit the mic. I thought I hit the camera too. You're all hey, good. We got a lot to talk about in this second hour. I caught a little bit of the NBA roundtable with you guys and uh, appreciate y'all getting the show started a little early. I got caught up at work a little bit later than expected. So as always, appreciate y'all knowledge and insight as always. I know we got Dujanae calling in pretty soon. He's already, he's already on the line. Audio. And, I, and I mentioned I was watching the national championship game uh, while I was uh, listening to the round table. And then Alabama's up 14-7 with the ball uh, on their 35, looking to get some more points to go. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm right, 14-7. My eyes play tricks on me. But, you know, I'm not a big college fan, so I figured y'all already talked about that a little bit, too. We actually haven't talked about it because those guys weren't watching it, but I thought Dijanae might. So maybe we can sneak in a little something segue with bringing in his thoughts on that. There we go. Dijanae, have you been watching this uh, championship game at all? Yeah, I've been watching it, man. Um, Both teams uh, seem to be playing pretty well. Um, I think think, uh, Alabama's a little quicker right now offensively. you know, field still looked like he hasn't settled in yet, but um, so far so good. I'd say for if you're looking at a you know a good game, looking for a good game here, I think you know so far it's a pretty good game. But it definitely favors Alabama. I think they're in a really nice rhythm right now. Yeah, um, I I have to say I usually watch the the football uh, final a little bit closer, and I'm definitely going to swap TVs in a moment. I've been more focused since I've been doing a Wizards roundtable to make that be my one in front of me to you know give scoring updates. But uh, I'm not an Alabama fan as I am an Aggie fan, as we have documented many times on this show. Uh, as an Aggie fan, I didn't think that Ohio State should have gotten over them because they played more games. I am wrong. Ohio State has made it this far. They deserve to be in this game. Uh, I will eat some crow on that. Um, and now I'm kind of hoping Big for Ohio. Right there too. Oh yeah, Ohio. I, I'm, I'm rooting for Ohio State though, and that's that's unfortunate. Um, uh, 
just because uh, of the rivalry between Alabama and A&M that's kind of started. And that was their yeah. only loss, right, of the season for A&M. So, right. like, it's hard to root for that team. Um, you know, uh, so that's, that's where I stand, <laughs> at least, you know, on that. I appreciate their greatness. It's one of those things. It's like the Patriots, right? I appreciate right. the greatness of the Patriots or what right. was – the Patriots uh, when they had Tom Brady. Um, but now, um, you know, it's, it's hard. I don't, you know, it is what it is, but let's uh, let's talk about what people have come here to talk about, which is uh, the great play of the Washington football team. I, I think that they, people shouldn't overlook that they prove that they deserve to be in that game. And they put a gutsy effort out there and they actually got closer in the spread. So if you bet on the Washington football team and you went by the spread, you actually won that game. And so I'm, I'm very impressed by the team. I think that there were some mistakes and I guess I'll turn it over to Carol to give, get started with this coverage. But uh, I was, I'll just say from this top that I was proud to be a Washington football team fan. Anyone that says that going and losing the first round isn't worth it. Isn't true. I think they gained a ton a ton of experience with that game. Uh, and I was really impressed with how well they played. Carol, what were some of your thoughts? Uh, if you tuned into the post game, uh, you heard my initial thoughts. And I'm I'm still a little bit upset. I can't wait to get your take <clears> today because we haven't spoke about the game. So I'm really anxious to see if you saw some of the same things that I saw. Because I saw a lot of Tampa Bay offensive linemen holding our D-line, which was allowing – Tom Brady to have time. I saw a play where Tim Settle was on the arm bar right in front of the ref. Wrestling move, didn't call it. I saw Deron Payne getting held almost every play, and he still came up with two sacks. Uh, Chase Young, you, you saw them grabbing a the jersey up under the uh, shoulder pads, which they never call, which I wish they would. And they played a great game. You know, Henneke definitely – made a statement with that game and definitely I hope they do intend to bring him back and at least, you know, let him try out and see what he can do because one month on the roster and, you know, you saw the rapport you had with Sims, obviously like they were talking about on the broadcast, they were obviously working together. So, I mean, his fight, his hunger and the way he played, I always tell folks, you don't need a big name or a first round draft pick to play quarterback. You just need someone that has that hunger and that desire to be better. And I feel like he showed that on the field, especially playing with a separated AC joint when he went back out there after he went back to locker room and took that shot. So first I want to know if you saw the same thing that I saw with the holding and what did you take away from Taylor Henneke's play? Um, Yeah, I mean, it was clear. Um, There's a lot of holding going on. Um, Unfortunately, uh, I think people need to, just get used to it. And I hate to say that, but um, in a lot of these big games, I think we're quite aware that the football team is not only playing the, the opponent, sometimes they're playing the ref and you can't expect them to, to, to give Washington calls. Um, they were egregious. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were some uh, awful holes. I think I saw, um, I saw settled. I, I saw Montez sweat um, get held up to the point where he was stood up, uh, was unable to get to Brady, likely would have gotten to him. And that was, I believe, on a, on one of the uh, touchdown passes. Um, there's a few throws over the middle uh, where you see guys that are going to get there. Um, they're, they're clearly holding. Uh, one was actually a takedown 
which they called on Washington, but I, I guess, you know, the rules don't apply on both sides. I don't know. Um, but uh, yes, I, I am aware. I see it pretty much. Um, there's something in, in just about every big game that Washington played this season where the refs had their whistles in their throats, uh, you know, and just, just were unwilling to, to, to make the calls. Um, so it, it's unfortunate. I think I've been saying it and have said it for years. There's definitely a problem with the league in Washington um, for sure. Uh, and just, you know, going forward, I, I like the way the guys played and just didn't, you know, allow that to affect the way they were going to go about their business. Um, Taylor Haneke uh, did an excellent job. Um, that's what you want to see from a quarterback. And, and, and his play was more than just, um, you know, sometimes you have some guys, uh, I think we've seen it in the, the Chase Daniels of the world. Um, you know, you, you see these guys, they have one hot game. Uh, they come in and, and they make a play, make some plays and play very well. Um, but you can tell it's, it's, he worked hard this this past week to prepare for this game. His attitude, um, you know, was you could tell it was very infectious. And that's what I'll say the difference between him um, and, and the guy who was released. Um, the importance of having a, a really good attitude and approach, um, that's that's something that that's needed in a leader. Um, and you can see that with Heineke. The, the guys just seem to rally. Even when they didn't do so well, if there were some mistakes, he never let that get get to him at all. I mean, he seemed to be pretty stoned. Um, you know, he had a he had a lot of dog in him, and I liked it a lot. Uh, the fight that he had, um, the ability to keep plays alive, uh, his awareness, his looking down the field and going through progressions, I thought was another thing that was just it it was it was fun to watch, man. <laughs> it was really fun to watch, and the guys just continued to rally throughout the game, uh, you know, for them to be in the position they were in uh, offensively. Um, you're talking about your third quarterback. Um, you're talking about a guy who hadn't even been on this roster that long. Uh, it says a lot about what he was doing as far as studying the offense. And I understand he he knows about this offense. He's played for Ron before, uh, but you know, it, this is a playoff game. This is against one of the, I, I tout one of the better teams in the league right now, uh, top five, in my opinion, um, you know, and, and for them to put together that performance offensively, uh, given the circumstances, um, was was something to be proud of. Uh, definitely something to be proud of. And I, I said it after the game. Uh, I feel like he deserves an opportunity and a shot to compete for the job. I'm not saying this guy's the future, but I'm also saying that, you know, there's some options you can go with. Um, and if there's some reasonable options that you can can go and win on and not you know give away a lot and and hurt your hurt your your franchise as far as gathering more pieces that they they need to solidify a team that's on the up and up um i i think he deserves an opportunity to come here and compete um and definitely if anything be a backup um because he's proven that he can do at least that uh you know he can at least come in and and give your team an opportunity and a chance to win. Uh, you've got to like the way he didn't turn the ball over too. I mean, the decision-making was just impeccable. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm proud of the guy. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool that he was able to put that together uh, for the football team. I definitely agree. I mean, 
they said he was taking all of the, all the snaps with uh, Alex being on, you know, light work. So when they made the announcement before the game that, you know, he's going to be starting, I didn't really have an issue with that. And I also watched uh, a couple of the coaches' press conferences and I actually watched his show this week on uh, you know, television. And he was just saying that, you know, if Taylor, if Taylor has to go, he has full confidence that he'll be able to run the offense. It's just, it was just about Scott Turner adapting the play calling to Taylor. And I say Turner did an okay job. I mean, I know they were the you know, top run defense team in the league, but you're not going to get it when you're running on third down out of shotgun. And I, I want to know why we didn't see Peyton Barber, the battering ram, because he's a downhill runner. And I think he could have did more damage, you know, running downhill when they was running, trying to run off tackle and run inside to try to loosen them up. I think that would have been a better game plan. And I was wondering where did the running back screens go? He kept on doing the wide receiver screens, but the running back screens, there were a couple of times that they were so aggressive that if they would have called the running back screen instead of a, 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 a fake run, trying to you know run out of shotgun, they had a couple of opportunities where it was like 10 to 15 yards of green in front of them if they would have called that screen. And I'm like, I know he's still learning, but you can't run hot and cold like that. Like we saw one game, he just kept throwing wide receiver screens over and over again, and then he doesn't do it at all. And it's like being an offensive coordinator, you have to keep the defense on their toes. And if you start taking stuff away from what's been successful, or at least keep it in your game plan and give them something to think about, then you're already in a losing battle off the break because they're taking things off the table that they don't have to worry about because you're not doing it on a consistent basis. And I hope, as I mentioned on the post game, I hope that Coach Rivera, Scott Turner, I hope they sit down and he instills some of his old school football values in him of, you know, running the ball, you know, in a not necessarily a power formation, but at least with the quarterback under center, where you still have the illusion of play action, where that gives the running back at least a shot at getting that third down. So those are some of the subtle nuances that folks don't think about. When you line up a shotgun on third and two, that's giving the defensive lineman a chance to get upfield when he's trying to get the ball and then you're doing his jet sweeps and stuff like that. You can't always try to outthink the defense. Sometimes you just got to outman. And I'm, I'm hoping we're going to see that progression next year. What did you uh, think about Scott Turner's uh, play call of these it? I mean, it's been what it's been all season, you know. Um, it's up and down. Um, he has some spots where he puts <laughs> together some really good drives. And then there are spots where there's some plays sprinkled in that you're thinking the offense is moving forward. You're in basically positive down and distance situations. And you, like you said, you're throwing out a wide receiver screen and really why not take it to him with a inside run or run over the tackle where you're successful, um, you know, or like you said, a, a running back screen. The defense was pretty aggressive for Tampa. I thought there was a couple of instances, like you said, they could have taken advantage of their aggressiveness, uh, used uh, McKissick or, or Gibson in that role and maybe gotten some big gains off of that. Um, the fact of the matter is, I, you know, we can talk about his play calling. Um, it, overall, it had no effect on the game, I believe. I think the first quarter is where the game was lost. Uh, guys putting balls on the ground, uh, you know, Cam Sims to be – uh, you know, exact, it, it can't be done. Uh, not against a football team that's 
on paper, I mean, go look at it. In paper, stats, the whole nine yards should be head above heels of, above this Washington football team. I mean, hands down. Uh, the weapons they have on offense, all of that. Uh, and they were able to put together a, a quality game. And if they don't drop balls that Heineke is putting on, on point, giving them opportunities to make plays, you probably win this game. It might be close, but you probably win this game. I, I, there's, there were points, especially from the second quarter on, that I felt like they had opportunities to win this game. That quarter, the game was lost in the first quarter. Too many balls on the ground. Too many key moments where they had opportunities to continue, continue to extend drives and put themselves in position to score points, which I think would have been touchdowns. It, it really hurt them. That really hurt them. And then, you know, you had some defensive miscues. But again, I, I'm not going to harp on them too much because, you know, and I'm sure we'll get there. But uh, Tampa did a good job of taking advantage of weaknesses. But offensively, it starts with the drops, man. Too many drops. And that killed this offense but Scotty has been Scotty and uh hopefully he improves next year and finds a rhythm uh you know kind of comes into his own and maybe uh you know develops uh over the offseason and comes and gets a little bit of rhythm and has a better feel for the game because there were some plays sprinkled in there where um I feel like Heineke bailed him out uh on several instances where he made some you know questionable play calls that really don't go with the flow of what they were doing offensively. Yeah, I feel that uh, he, Heineke definitely did uh, make it happen, you know, salvage some plays, like you said. But uh, like you said, the first quarter, I think, because he was holding on to the ball a little bit too long, and then he, once he got comfortable in the second quarter, he started, started taking off. So, but yeah, the first quarter, he had Cam Sims, that, that one over the middle, uh, I, I Boy, I rewinded that dream like five times. And I was like, that play, like you said, could have been a crucial, crucial play right there to answer and to keep the offense moving. So, but we did see, you know, the young wide receivers play better. I, I mentioned on my post game, one of the players, I'm not going to say disappointed, but I had higher expectations for Isaiah Wright this season. I, watching his, his college tape, and the way, like I said, I liken him to Tyreek Hill. I feel like you get him in open space, you get him the ball in different situations, he can make a move and take it to the house with his speed and elusiveness. And for some reason, I know, like I said, sometimes it takes wide receivers a little bit longer to develop into the league. The average is like three years. You get those freaks of nature that can come in and make an impact off the break. But I was hoping to see more from him. Uh, the, the Sims, the, the Sims boys, they are slowly developing, but they're developing. And we still have Kelvin Harmon coming back. You know, you know what you got in Terry. And, you know, depending on what happens with the O-line and Brandon Sheriff, if they can lock him down and get him with a contract, I know they're probably going to, you know, look at the wide receiver position to try to find someone else to help stretch the field to get Terry out of that uh, that double team or that bracket he's always in. But uh, Logan Thomas was a pleasant surprise. I wish we could have sold more out of him, but they was, you know, covering him pretty pretty well. And with that 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 line that they had, you know, it isn't like he had a lot of time to, you know, do what he does. He he runs routes with him being ex quarterback. I feel like he runs routes as good as Jordan Reed did. Only thing is that he stays on the field. <laughs> durable, absolutely, very durable, um, very durable. Love the way he runs routes. Um, he's very precise, um, and that's the thing. Uh, that's what you need out of a tight end. 
Um, and he does remind you of Jordan Reed. He reminds you of a, of, of a, a healthy uh, Jordan Reed, which we thought that and would have hoped that he would have, you know, panned out to be that here. But um, I thought they should have used more two tight end sets. Um, I, I'm not down on Sprink at all. I like him. Um, you know, he's, he can be inconsistent. He had a couple, I think he had a couple catches. I know he had one, I know of one. Um, and I think if they had used that, uh, you know, that two tight end set, whether it's uh, for run or for pass, I thought that would have added a little bit in there because, I mean, we all know Terry, there's no way he was 100%. Um, he was making plays and, you know, making catches and getting down, uh, not striving for anything extra. So you could tell that he was there to just to make the plays that needed to be made. And he did so. Um, it would have been nice to, to see them sprinkle some things in uh, with the two tight ends, because I think they have two capable tight ends that can to make things happen. Um, they can make some plays. Uh, it can't be any worse than what Cam Sims was doing in the first half. So, or the first quarter. So, I mean, they could have done that and uh, added a little bit, but like I said, uh, overall um, offensively, I think you have to be pleased with what they did uh, given the circumstances. And again, like I've said before, when you look at these two teams, uh, and you're looking at the way these guys played and what Tampa had to go through offensively and defensively throughout the season versus what Washington was doing. And they're coming in with the third quarterback. I mean, I'm sure most people thought this was going to be a complete blowout. And, you know, the 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 uh, the talking heads pretty much proved that they, that they thought that this wasn't that they didn't have a chance. Um, and they made that a really fun game. Uh, really wish they could have won it, though. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, this is great for the franchise. Um, and it's great for fans to be able to see their team uh, coming to, uh, you know, at seven and nine, of course. But win the division, uh, somebody had to win it. And they, they didn't just come in and, and play like, you know, under 500 football team. Uh, they really, really hung well with, uh, like I said, one of the top five teams uh, in the league right now. So you, real quickly, you, your your key was to sprinkle some sprinkle, right? Is that the the ultimate? You know, that's right. <laughs> Sprink some spring. <laughs> that's, that's what, what I'm going to say. This was the first game in a long time where I felt myself yelling at the TV. Uh, this I, normally, like I say, I sit back and I I had to actually go back and watch the game again because the 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 non calls were 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 pissing me off so bad because they were in crucial situations. And like you said, they were right there about to get to them. And they basically put them in a wrestling move to stop them from getting the sack. And they didn't call it. But then they call that fluke 15-yard face mask penalty. That was bad. Where his hand grazed it. <laughs> and they threw the 15-yard flag. But then you see our bag hand on the face mask and grab it and tug. And no call. I'm like, no call. really? I'm like, come on. I know they love Tom Brady, and I've never been a Tom Brady hater. I'm like, really? This is what it's like to go against him in the playoffs? He's been AFC, so I never really gave a day. And now he's in the NFC, and they let him get away. I'm like, okay. I see the narrative already being written. Belichick couldn't make the playoffs, but Brady's going to go to the Super Bowl without Belichick and become the greatest quarterback ever. Okay, I see it. I see it. But uh, let's <laughs> talk about the defense. I don't want to like, go off on that tangent. I'd be, be here all night. But um, I feel like the defense played well. There were a lot of I, – I was trolling some social media folks today. I was bored yesterday, so I said, why not? They were talking about the secondary is bad. We need another corner, all this and that. I'm like, first of all – Fans. <laughs> I know. That, I mean, I guess I was trolling, so 
I knew I was gonna get some dumb responses back, but I, I, I was astounded at some of the things that these folks were talking about. I'm like, <laughs> done, uh, the, the secondary was supposed to be the weak link of the defense. And you had two corners that were in the top 25 rated PFF for coverage. You had Cameron Carroll, a rookie, playing Evolved. covering tight ends, which has always been a problem for this team. And, you know, the uh, 84 for the Bucks, he wasn't covering him. He was on the other side covering Gronk. And Gronk didn't go off. And then a week before, we saw him against uh, the Eagles, who tight ends always kill us, shut it down. So we actually have a safety that can cover the tight ends. You have Landon Collins coming back. You have the front four that's signed for another, what, two years before you have to worry about extending anybody or a year, I believe. I think John you need Allen a linebacker, though. Yeah, so you I need think, a linebacker or two. Yeah, definitely going. I still you know they cut uh, Sean Dion Hamilton uh, a few hours ago. I will get your uh, take on that. I know you uh, actually interviewed him and, and worked and talked with him. And um, yeah, I think if they get some more, because Cole Holcomb, all I can say is monster. <laughs> two years, and he has. You know, I think he missed the game this year, but he's durable. He he's a tackling machine. Uh, Bostic, you know, he has some bright spots. He still is sometimes a liability in coverage, depends on the tight ends. But like I said, now we had Cameron Curl. You don't really have to worry about that as much. And I, I don't see nothing but this, this future getting brighter for this defense. I haven't looked at the final season uh, rankings yet. I don't know if you saw them yet, Dujane, but we said this team could be a top, top 10 defense, top five, if the secondary held up. And I don't know if you saw the final numbers, but I can't wait to see them. But what was your take of the defense in this game? And might as well start recapping. What do you think overall this season, the defense, the pro progress that they made? And then I give my take after you talk about the recap of the season, after you break down the, the game. Um, defensively, I thought they played as well as they could play. Um, it's kind of one of those things when you look at Tom Brady, you're looking at a guy like a Peyton Manning who can come in. And he can make the calls that he needs to make. And a lot of times he's going to make some adjustments at the line. Um, they, you know, you got to give Bruce Arians and, and, and Tom Brady credit. Uh, the weak link of this defense is coverage linebackers, middle of the field. We know that it's been that issue all season long. Uh, guys did a pretty decent job, but they did some things to exploit that. And that's how they were able to get down the field uh, in a lot of a lot of uh, instances, not using Gronk, um, and we know that the tight end is a, is an issue. They they ran a lot of two tight end sets, and that that helped them out as well. Um, you know, guys like you know Evans and AB are going to get theirs when they're going to get them. Um, but overall, when they needed to make stops, they did. Uh, you know, you would like to see them get at least one or two more. But again, I felt like they had a couple stops if if you just make the call. I mean, it's obvious that that their, their, their tackles were struggling with our ends. Chase <laughs> Chase and Montez were giving them fits. And they were struggling. At times, like you said, there were fish hooks like they used to do uh, our boy, uh, uh, Arakpo, and, and there were WWE moves. I mean, they didn't have a choice. I mean, and I, what I felt like should have been done, though, is there should have been more mix-ups uh, you know, moving these guys around, maybe maybe putting Chase in the middle of the field and, and knowing that 
at that time when you flop him around or whatever you're going to do that you're going to bring the heat. Um, that's a stationary target standing back there. I don't care if it's Tom Brady or not. He's stationary. He ain't going anywhere. He ain't running away from nobody. He can't even get away from his own shadow. So I felt like they could have done more. Maybe you bring a corner off the edge. Take a few chances. The game was close. Uh, overall, the, the way the way they called the game, um, they played as about as well as you could ask, uh, given that there are weak spots on this team. Um, anybody talking about the corners, look, man, they're going to get some of the best guys out there. I don't think people know about Godwin and his his ability to play. Um, I, you know, people know a lot about Evans, but I don't think they know about Chris Godwin that much. That guy can ball um, and doesn't need Evans on the field to do so. Uh, I thought overall they did a pretty decent job, especially against uh, all the weapons that they have. I mean, they're throwing, you know, two solid running backs at you. Um, they have three wide receivers easy. They got two tight ends easy. I mean, they got weapons. They have a plethora of weapons. This could have gotten out of hand early and quick. Uh, this defense fought and fought hard. And I know, uh, you know, people are giving Chase Young the business, but I, I, I thought that that both all of those guys, Chase included, uh, did an excellent job uh, trying to to generate some type of stops. They, like I said, they have some some weaknesses that they have to sure up. And and uh, you know, I've said it before. I think they're just a, a linebacker or so away, um, and, and this defense can be something to be reckoned with. Uh, they have to, you know, do a little bit better job of containing things in the middle of the field. Um, Bostic's too inconsistent for me. Um, I like his uh, aggressiveness and his ability to make tackles, but there are a lot of times where he's not able to cover, and then there's a lot of times where he's uh, he's the one that's out of position when it comes down to gap responsibility, and you see a lot of these runs kind of kind of break off and get get deep and you saw that too a couple of those runs that they had whether it was outside or inside those big ones guys were just too aggressive man they wanted to get after tom uh and they took advantage of it unlike you know washington's offense at time not taking advantage of of uh tampa's aggressiveness on their defensive front but i mean for the most part they hung in there against one of the league's best um and really they had every opportunity to win the game uh and you know, a few things just didn't go their way. That's the name of the game, baby. But it's a learning experience. And um, as a whole, uh, you know, Washington fans should be excited at what's going to come uh, next year. After you retool, you bring a couple pieces in, um, get yourself solidified in a few areas. This is a young football team. So, uh, you know, led by a coach uh, that can teach um, and can coach guys up. I mean, you saw that all season long. And um, next season is going to be interesting. If we can have an off season, have some OTAs, um, there's no telling what this team can do next season. But uh, I think people should be very, very pleased with what they saw on Sunday, despite the loss. Um, this is this is something uh, to to really hang your hat on and to really have some joy about. Uh, I know I, I'm I'm excited about next season and being able to uh, you know cover this team as well. Um, going forward because uh, I really feel like this is we've talked about it in several instances but I think we truly understand now that this this really is a new and uh, fans need to to get off the Debbie Downers or kick the can down the road and, and go to Baltimore or, you know I don't know become Dallas fans like every other person that hasn't been there I don't know do something else though because um, this team's really really looking good. No doubt, no doubt. Robbie, let's get your take before I recap this defense, give my thoughts on it. What, what, uh, what was your take, uh, takeaway from this game? And, you know, what is your yeah. thoughts? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was close. Real quickly, scoring update: Ohio State was held to a field goal there. They're down uh, 21-17, five minutes left in the second uh, quarter. It's it's uh, been an interesting matchup. I thought that Ohio State was going to tie it up right there. They got uh, deep into the red zone. Uh, but yeah, my overall thoughts on the Washington football team: I, I really am impressed with their play. I think if Chase doesn't get hurt, you know, towards the end there, you know, you have him. Maybe they don't march down the field. Um, you know, maybe they get a strip sack, something happens, who knows, but, uh, I felt that, uh, without him in the game, you saw sort of an emotional letdown by the defense a little bit. Uh, and you know, you give Brady like an inch and it'll take a mile. And I, I think that that's sort of what happened towards the end there. I, I thought the offense played pretty well. Uh, speaking to what Dujanet was saying, you know, they've got so many weapons, you know, I, I was really impressed by our defense to stop. You know, Evans is a beast. You know, I followed his whole entire college career as an Aggie. You know, he is lethal. And especially when he's got other weapons for so long down in Tampa Bay, he was all they have. And now they've got four or five options. And so when he's one of four or five options, that's really dangerous. And so I felt that they were able to hold them to a pretty low scoring game and and gave themselves a shot. Um, So, um, but overall, I just, was really, really impressed um, by the, the play. I'm looking forward to next year. Next year, we're going to have a lot harder schedule. They just kind of released the teams that we're going to play next year. And obviously, you play all of the division leaders, right, when you have a division winner schedule. Uh, but the, on the flip side of that is if we can gain from that experience and win some of those games, then I think we're even more playoff ready, right? We will, So, like, having a harder schedule doesn't necessarily preclude us from doing better next year. It just means that we're going to have to take that next step. And we also, anytime there's an easy part of our schedule, like the early part of our schedule, we can't take that for granted next year, right? There won't be that right. opportunity well, that we're going to yeah, make it. There was, no, there was no preseason also, so there was a lot of discombobulation. I'm just saying there aren't going to be as many give me games next year. Yeah, you know what I mean? Definitely. But you can bet that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is the way this team played and they showed the resilience and the things that they're going to address in the offseason. Definitely on the uh, you know wide receiver offensive side, they might go after a wide a name wide receiver in free agency, or I'm not sure we're talking all season about how deep the draft is on wide receivers. But I feel like the way the defense has played and you know getting pieces back and the offense is going to definitely I feel improve with like I said trying to get another uh, getting a full year under his belt and hopefully you know training camp OTAs will have that and preseason. So I feel like we saw the progress throughout the season from where they started to where they ended up. And I just think, I just don't think there's no going back now. I think that they got a taste of it and they're going to want more. And that's why coach has, you know, changed the culture where you don't have those guys that just want to be in the NFL and happy to be there. You got guys that's hungry that want to win along with being in the NFL and actually putting the work in and not just doing lip service. So I think even though they're going to play division winners, you know, the way they want to look at it is, okay, everybody said you got to look out for them. They look, I think the way they're looking at it is you got to look out for us because y'all had us winning two games this year and we won the division and went to the playoffs. So y'all already don't have no faith in us. Just wait and see what we're going to do now to prove y'all wrong even more. And I think that's what's going to fuel them to become better along with Coach. I agree. You know, um, you can see the difference in guys um, and, and how they approach the game. Uh, 
Chase Young is a prime example of that. Um, you can, you know, you can get a real good feel of of him. He had a a really nice interview with uh, Josita Anderson, one of my favorite uh, reporters out there too, and um, on her her podcast. Um, and uh, the guy is just about winning, um, you know, truly about winning. And he goes well with guys like Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, uh, you know, you know, you name it uh, on on the front. Um, guys just want to win. That type of attitude is infectious. You see what it's not putting on either. You know, uh, Chase Young does it naturally. Um, he's really he's pumping up guys. Um, if you heard some of the things he said about Heineke when he came in for Haskins uh, in, in the Carolina game, uh, what he said about him uh, afterwards, you know, you see in, in this playoff game how he's pumping this guy up and guys rally. Um, you can see it's a collective, uh, you know, it's a collective attitude and that type of attitude is infectious. It, it filters down into uh, the deep parts of your team, you know, the second and third uh, guys pick up on that attitude and when they come in they feel like they can't let their guys down let the guys down in front of them uh, somebody goes down it's next man up but it's not just next man up put a body in these guys feel like okay here's my time to shine but I can't let the guy in front of me down who I'm coming in for um, you know coach has done an excellent job but you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink and these guys are drinking it. Uh, they're, they're taking care of what they need to take care of, and they're buying into it. Uh, you have the type of type of players that uh, have talent, understand that they have talent, they are good, but they also understand that uh, they can do more, they can learn more, and they also are soaking up this, this teaching uh, that this coaching staff uh, that Ron Rivera's put together uh, is giving them. And you saw that throughout the season. I think that's what we talked about earlier in the season or midway through the season. Um, it wasn't about playoffs for me. It was nice. It wasn't about winning the division. I know that's what Ron said. It was about winning, and that's great. But I wanted to see progress. If you put those two together, then I, I didn't have a problem with, with what they wanted to do. And you saw that uh, throughout the season. I mean, uh, they were the first team to uh, make the Pittsburgh Steelers start uh, – mollywop the, the Steelers – and begin that spiral uh, for their season and really expose them for what they were. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you can't, you can't knock what was done um, in a season with no preseason, a very short training camp. And think of all the new pieces that came in for this football team that had to come together, that had to come together to put, to put, to put out respectable football on the football field. Um, so, you know, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. And let's not forget all the front office changes uh, along with that. Um, pretty interesting stuff that they had to go through. A lot of adversity. Uh, coach Cancer uh, didn't know if your starter and Alex Smith could even play again. And he had to be called upon um, and really got this team going. It shows his leadership, uh, how important Alex is. Um you know, to this football team, but just how, how good of a guy he is as far as uh, a person and a quarterback. Uh, so there's a lot to be positive about, man. And I'm, I'm excited for fans to be able to, to see the growth of this team. And, and hopefully, um, hopefully this continues because this city needs it. They deserve it. Uh, they've worked, you know, they've, they've waited in muck uh, to get here. Uh, and some, some still want to think that they're in it, but you're not. This is this is fun to watch, man. This is yeah. fun to watch. Real quick, 
Real quickly, I just had uh, two questions uh, for Dijon. Well, one is a statement. One, I want to congratulate you. You nailed their final record. I, guess I want to give you credit. You weren't <laughs> on last week. You nailed it dead on. Only one to predict seven wins. I wanted to give you a shout out for being able to do that. It's not easy to do. Um, you're the only one that of the 10 people. So a lot of people had a shot at it. Only one to pr- predict it correctly. We did talk about before. We didn't think that was going to be enough uh, to win a division, but it, right. it was significant improvement i had a question i was going back on social media yesterday and some people were arguing that an arm bar is legal versus illegal and i was hoping um you know speaking to what carol was talking about before at what point can your your hand come up against it is it never legal is it only legal when they're in front of you what i heard a lot of conflicting that's a hold (laughs) a hold is a hold i you know and i've always said this too Refs are going to call. They they set the tone earlier how they're going to call stuff. Personally, I don't think you can bar, arm bar a guy at all. If you fish hook a guy, fish hook is a hold. You know, it doesn't. It's not. You don't have to take a guy to the ground to hold him. You don't have to grab a jersey to hold him. Um, we we see guys get arm barred up against the up around the neck area and in the shoulder area, and it doesn't get called. Um, you know, most offensive linemen will say. With inside the inside the pads, inside the jersey area, you know, most of the time it's still holding, but you know, you can hide it really well, and most of the time they're not going to call that. Um, but I, I'm not for any of it. I think it's a, a hold as a hold. Um, but we all know, just like we know what uh, PI is, we know what a pass interference is. But it depends on how the refs are calling it that game, and if they're not calling it, what are you going to do? You you got to work with it. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, it's a bigger problem. I wrote that article like (laughs) 10 years ago about referees and there just needs to be more study. There needs to more, be more refinement. We, they create more rules. They got for the ball goddamn, And and what was funny was the commentators basically said it actually be off of the past experience. And when it wasn't, they just sat there like crickets, like church. Right. I mean, it it was was clear. Yeah, it, it was utterly ridiculous. I can say it, man. I I had a couple of adult beverages in me. And like I said, I was cussing this TV out in so many different ways, man. It wasn't even funny. And I had company. And they was looking at me like, are you okay? I'm like, nah, I'm not. This I was pissed off to the highest festivity of some of them no calls, man. I just laugh because a lot of this is about refinement. And, and really, you know, some of the biggest companies in the world, have, their quality assurance department has... Uh, uh, you know, uh, a thing that they live by and say that they're going to refine and improve processes. Well, that's what the NFL has to do. Creating more rules that are basically the same exact rule doesn't refine the rule. And and you, they have to be a clear understanding and it should be a clear understanding. I Like I said before, it's very clear. You go back and watch a lot of these big games that Washington's in. League doesn't like this team. They don't like this team. They don't like this organization. They definitely don't like them this year. But uh, the guys did an excellent job uh, not allowing that to affect their play. They just kept balling and kept trying and kept plugging away. But uh, that stuff's got to be fixed. And I, to be honest with you, I know Washington fans are upset about it. But when you look at all the other games in this wild card round, there were some awful egregious calls that were not made, that were blatantly obvious. That is sports officiating 101 and the guys can't get it right. And these are the best crews that you have in the league. Yeah, miss me with that. 
you guys got to go and refine everything that you need and need to go back to the drawing board because that was absolute trash. No doubt. No Real doubt. quickly, I, I, I want to do a scoring update and then I I'll let Carol talk to all yeah, of those. Go ahead. I was going, I figured you might, I saw your face. I figured you was going to go ahead and break yeah, that. Yeah. So, I mean, they're scoring so quickly now. Like it's Alabama's like, oh, right. We're the best team again, you know, and they realized it. And suddenly 44 yard clip touchdown, you know, two minute drive. And then right back, you know, basically they did nothing. They got the ball right back. Boom, boom, boom. Long touchdown again. They're now up, I believe it's 35-17. Yeah, so yes. With over a minute left in the second quarter. Yeah, Alabama starting to look like the Cleveland Browns when they was doing it to the Pittsburgh Steelers the other day. I yeah. saw that yeah. 28 nothing in the first quarter. I had to look at my phone. I had to reboot my phone. Like, my phone broke. What's going on? 28 nothing. the game. worst fourth first quarter in NFL playoff history. And this was a team that was 11-0 going into playing the Washington football team. And real quickly, I might add, now they're blaming the Ravens' COVID situation on why their season <laughs> fell apart, right? So because they went from 11-0, had to have three games in 12 days, you know, and suddenly they're like their whole season unraveled. After losing to us, they lost well, four out of their next the five games. I can recall the Washington football team having to play three games in 12 days before, and we didn't use it as an excuse to why we didn't make the playoffs. So, hey, they got exposed. Folks used the same formula, and they came up short. When Cincinnati beat them, I, I, I was like, yeah, they done. <laughs> they done. Look, their defense is not that great. And, and they played teams early at, at the right time where things were just starting to get together. Everybody's on the same playing field. And they had more, like, uh, they had more, um, you know, fluidity with their team. They knew, they know guys, that they were able to put things together. When it started to matter and teams started to build, their team stayed the same. Look, I don't want to hear nothing from Ben and the excuses. You got Molly Wap. All I got, only question I got is, is to Juju, are the Browns still the Browns? I mean, I'm just asking for a friend. That's all I'm saying. You got mollywop. I don't want to hear no excuses. And Joker's been mollywopping them the whole last half of the season. Since Washington got into that behind, they've been getting whopped. And to be honest with you, the Colts should have beat them too. But, you know, we know what, what happens with Phillip Rivers-led teams. Jokers just fall off. I mean, they were up 24-7 to uh, early on them and should have dogged them and put them in the dirt too. So, don't nobody want to hear that stuff. I'm just wondering if they still the Browns, though. Right. No, I, the Browns and the Bills, both of them, had not been doing anything 20 years, and they're both got into the second round. So, you know, hats off to those franchises and those fans. You talk about suffering fan bases. Both of them have suffered, I would say, more than the Washington football team, if there are two franchises that may have. And, yeah. you know, it's impressive. Got to go over the unofficial defensive stats because, you know, I'm a defensive guy. Just pulling up some of the numbers for the end of the year. They were ranked second in total yards, giving up 324. Uh, pass yards, they were second, giving up 191 a game. Rush yards, they were tied for 13th, for giving up 112 yards a game. Points, they were fourth with 20.6 a game. And I feel like the most impressive stat for this defense, well, one of the most impressive stats, was a third down conversion percentage was 37.5, which was sick. Now, if you recall last year, they were at the bottom of the league for most of the year, and it was historic how bad our third down conversion was. 
And that's why I say I, I, defense, when your defense is playing well and you have talent, the sky's the limit. And, you know, everybody talks about the, you know, four first round draft picks on the line and five count round carrying and yada, yada, yada. But it's, it's different when they're actually executing and being effective on the field. You can have all that hype, and we've seen it before with some of our first-round draft picks that they don't pan out. But the fact that we've basically hit on all four of these guys, and not even mentioning Matty United, you know. Yeah, could you imagine pick. if he was in there? Exactly. That's why I was like, oh, I can't wait to get him back, get Landon Collins back. You know, and the rotation they have. I mean, it's, you know, the rotation they have, this football team has on defense. The guys they have, just, not just the guys they put on the field, the starters, the rotation, the guys in the back. They haven't had this in a long time uh, with, with the front seven. Uh, makes a huge difference. But I'm looking forward when Ionitis and, and, uh, and uh, you know, Mr. Humble come back. Whew, it's going to be nasty. It reminds me of the Seattle defense, the Legion of Boom, when they had that front line that they could recycle. Uh, when they brought in the backups, they were just as big as as the starters. And yep. you get nothing going on them. And, and that's what I say, the disguise the little with this team. And, you know, the fact that, you know, like Cameron Curl, I feel like he's going to be a, a game changer for this team with his, with his versatility, being able to play safety, being able to play corner, and being able to play in a box. I mean – do you know how many different ways you can disguise packages with that dude? And with the, uh, you know, once they upgrade the linebacker, I'm like, oh, they, they, they just don't man. They, I, I could teach classes on defense, man. It, it, it's going to be a beautiful sight to see. And with Jack Del Rio running, I feel like he, he was more conservative this year. We've seen some of his exotic blitzes when he has solid coverage on the back end. I feel like because he felt he had you know, a unit that was getting itself together, even though they were playing well because the front seven was getting their job done. I don't think that he really dialed up the blitzes. He played more, you know, man zone coverage, cover right. two, cover three. He didn't really get exotic with it. So now another year in this system and the pieces they're going to add and the speed they're going to try to add, I can't – I already can't wait to see what that defense is going to do next year, man. It's just going to be a, a – Interesting offseason. What what pieces before we wrap up? I know we got hockey talking yeah, a little while. I, we probably got to get ready to go. I have a question because I, I want Dujanay to answer this. What do we do with Alex Smith, right? Because we talk about the defensive side. I think everything Carol said we both would agree with, right? So the question for me, the defense will be there next year. The offense, if they could take a next step, that's when we can, you know, win some of these playoff games. Because I, for me, I know that the play, the defense kind of failed them at the end of this game, but it really wasn't on the defense, right? We think mm-hmm. if the offense could have put up seven, 14 more points, they wouldn't have needed to be in that situation. So with that being said, Alex Smith was great. He got banged up at the end. We've got a lot of money committed into him right now. Um, he hasn't made a final decision on what he's going to do. What are your thoughts going forward with that position? Uh, and obviously we need some wide receivers too, but like how do we get our offense a little bit better to sort of match the intensity that I think the defense will bring? You need a quarterback that can play consistently. And, you know, let's be real. It's not a calf stream because he barely, if barely, if it has, if he even has a calf. And from my understanding, ain't much there. So it's not a calf stream. But this guy ain't going to be able to play four quarters every week and do some of the things he was doing. It's not that he can't do it. His body's not going to allow him to do it. So he has to be honest with himself. 
Um, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to play two quarterbacks because he's gonna need the rest. I, mean, I, I don't think it was a matter of I don't think it was a matter of whether the calf was strained. It's just that he did a lot in those last. He took a lot of hits. He did a lot of work. I mean, he balled his butt off. But at the end of the day, that leg ain't been under that kind of uh, you know work in quite some time, and, and it's it's fatigued, and it's not much muscle there to work with. I don't think you can go. You can go into that, as, you know, go into the season with him as the starter. But I think there has to be some a realistic conversation that he needs to, he needs to have with himself. And um, I'm not saying that you get rid of Alex because I think Alex is um, he provides something to this football team. The knowledge that he has um, when people want to soak it up and use it, I, I think it had a, a, an effect on Kyle Allen as well. Um, you know, they, what he has, his football mind is invaluable. His, his, the way he comes in and prepares, the whole nine yards, how he goes about his business is valuable to this football team. But, you know, to say he's the starter, that's hard to say because I, 16 games, he's not playing 16 games. And it's not because he doesn't want to, but that leg's not going to allow him to do that. Um, I don't care how much work you get in because there's, you know how it is. Uh, there's lateral movement. There's a lot of different things you got to do as a quarterback to keep yourself moving inside the pocket. And I said that uh, in the game that he played before it's like, before he went out, it's just, they needed to help him. He needed help. They, he was a stationary target. He couldn't get out of his own way because that leg wasn't allowing him to get out of his own way. And they weren't doing enough to help him in that regard, uh, you know, before he had to go out. Um, so those are the things you have to factor in. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying to cut him though, but I don't think he's a full-time starter. And I don't think you can go and say, okay, we're going to go into this next year with Alex as our starter and he's going to play 16 games. They have to go either sign a quarterback in the in free agency. And there's plenty of them out there. Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, um, you know, uh, uh, Watson wants out. Uh, Cam Newton's there. Um, there's, there's some good quarterbacks out there if you want to go the free agent route. Um, and then, you, you know, you like, like we talked about, you have Heineke, you, you have Alex, you have Kyle Allen, and maybe you draft a third round guy and you let one of those two guys or those three guys battle it out for the starting position and then go about it that way. There's so many things that they can do. I mean, obviously you don't want to overpay for a free agent quarterback for sure. You don't want to give up too much for him. That's for sure. Um, especially with the money they have tied up in Alex, but I don't see them letting him go or cutting him. Um, because, uh, you know, he's kind of one of the guys that um, I think they value more than just the football player. They value the man as well, and uh, they're going to give him his respect. But I think there has to be an honest conversation between the, him and him with himself, and then there has to be an honest conversation between him and the organization as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I don't – I mean, the ideal situation, I feel – I'm not sure what the salary cap situation would be if he retired, stayed on as a coach slash mentor or whatever. I saw an article somebody wrote, I don't know, I was just scrolling. But uh, there, hopefully there's a possibility of that because I feel like that would be the best scenario for both the team and him. And then that would give a chance for the young quarterbacks that they have, all three, Kyle Allen, uh, Montez, and hopefully they re-sign Henneke. I mean, and see what they can do. Because like I said, you don't always need a big name to take over. You just need somebody that's hungry enough that can get the job done. 
And I feel like after seeing what I saw from Henneke, I, I think he has what it takes to to be able to lead a team. Not saying to the promised land, to the Super Bowl or nothing, but I feel like that he definitely has the the want, the will, and like you say, the dog in him to lead this team where they need to go into the next phase. So, I, like you said, I don't that leg isn't going to hold. You know, I went on the record and said I didn't think we'd ever play quarterback again, which I had no problem saying I was wrong. But, you know, like you say, is that leg going to be able to hold up for 16 weeks? And we saw that it couldn't even hold up for six six weeks. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I think I think uh, this team is in a good position to be where they are. And hopefully yeah. they'll get the quarterback situation figured out ASAP. And then we ain't got to worry about it anymore. I do, I do wonder if we can somehow find a way to renegotiate the contract in a way that he could be a coach and we can get that, that money back because I think we could get another player for less potentially and use that money to fill, especially the wide receiver position. For me, that's like the number one, maybe even a tight end and just, you know, um, continue to work on our offensive line protection. I think, you know, it was better this year, but uh, you can never have too many good offensive linemen, especially they, they get injured and they can go down. And I think for Protecting the quarterback is key to success in this uh, league. But uh, Dujanay, I really appreciate all of your uh, breaking stuff down with us uh, the whole season. And we'll definitely have you on in, in the off season, you know, as we get back into the summertime and stuff like that. But um, uh, if you click on sportsothp.com and click the podcast partners button, you can definitely check out the breakdown uh, and catch more of Dujanay. Any final thoughts before we let you go? Uh, we'll just be having a podcast this week. We're going to talk a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I'm going to give my take on why John uh, uh, Bradley Beal is not a number one guy. Um, so we're going to have some talk about those things. And uh, again, you can follow me, NotBland21, on Twitter uh, and pretty much on everything. And I uh, love talking shot with you guys. And uh, thanks for having me on, fellas. Yeah, it's good to good to see you. And I, I will say that Brad has played pretty well the last couple of weeks. But I under, I understand what you're saying. You need kind of another guy maybe to go with them. And I'm not sure Russ is that guy, at least not from what I've seen so far. I mean, our issues though, scoring's been good. It's like how do we figure out that low post D is going to be the issue. So uh, until we figure that out, the Wizards are in for a bunch more losses. So hopefully <laughs> they can figure that out. Um, but uh, thank you as always, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thank you. you. Take it easy, bro. All right, brother. All right. Next guest we're going to bring in is uh, Anna Knox. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of hockey. Uh, first of all, I uh, want to bring you in and ask, how have you been uh, dealing with all this? And it's the shortest off season we've ever had, uh, but uh, it's been a couple of uh, months since we've seen you. How are you doing? Oh, you're muted still, I think. Oop. There we go. There we go. Finally, you think I would learn that after uh, teaching for as long as I have online. Um, doing well. There's ready to take on 2021 and whatever's got to throw this way. Um, it's great to see you guys. Carol, I've been following your successes with the car sales and uh, good for you. I appreciate that. You know, starting to find my niche, you know, starting to get in the groove a little bit. It's been a good start to the month. And if anybody's viewing, you know, in the market for a new user pre-owned certified vehicle, I work down in Waldorf Honda, 2450 Crane Highway, Northbound Side. Come on, it's your boy. You want to get your deal right, get your best deal, the best price around. So come there down you go. 
That's awesome. Between that and then I cannot believe how big Zach is getting. That's <laughs> yeah, true. It's like, you know, oh my gosh. Like things He was so crazy. excited to see hockey yesterday. I turned around my laptop because it was the scrimmage. So it was on my laptop. And I said, Zach, check what this is. And he turned, I showed it. And he's like, hockey. And he started <laughs> running around. So he was, he's excited to see it too. Well, I'm going to try to do a lightning round short caps, you know, thing. Next week, we'll get more into the season once yeah. we get a couple of games. It's a very weird season for us this year. Yeah. There's no preseason games. So we don't have a whole lot to go into the season with. Usually we've got four or five, maybe even more preseason games to sort of see how the lines are shaking out. A little bit of the same issues that Carol was alluding to with no, you know, OTAs and, you know, uh, no, um, you know, um, you know, games that don't count, so to speak. So right. we just had two scrimmages to go off of. I thought it was very cool that they did play-by-play uh, on uh, Facebook Live. So you got to hear our radio guys uh, come together uh, and they mixed and matched some lines. We saw some games. They look good. We didn't really glean a lot because with scrimmages, when you're playing your own team, I don't think, you know, they're not going to hit full board. They're not going to chance damaging anything. They're walking through things. They look solid. It's really Mm -hmm. hard to glean a lot from that. One thing I will say at the top of the show um, is we kind of got a a Monday skate lines after those scrimmages is kind of a little bit telling Mm -hmm. because they sort of were able to glean all the information from both scrimmages, sent a lot of people back. I'll mention some of the people we sent down in a moment. uh, And we kind of got these lines. So I'm going to quickly run down the lines and I'm going to get Carol and your thoughts on them. uh, And then I'll talk about the people that we've, you know, sent back to Hershey or loaned off, give our quick thoughts about that. We'll preview the week ahead and then we'll get you in and out of here hopefully in about 20 minutes yes, uh, so no you can uh, get some sleep tonight and then we'll bring the rest of our football guys back in and we'll talk a little bit about the nfl playoffs as well so a busy show uh we're already on hour two might go three we'll try to keep it short uh but um the, these are the lines so these lines were kind of almost old school lines from yeah. pre-2018 a little bit before uh the stanley cup run we got ovechkin back Backstrom and Oshi returning together, which I love that line. Yeah. We got Verona, Kuznetsov, Wilson uh, being love the it. second line. Uh, we got Panic, Eller, and either Sprong or Sherry on that side. With Panic being on the left side, where a lot of the season, I believe we saw him sometimes on the, on the right, right, yeah. right side. So uh, he flip-flopped. Haglin has moved down in the fourth line to join Dowd and Hathaway, and that's been pretty consistent through the scrimmages and through that. Uh, some of our lineups for our defensive uh, pairings is Orloff and Carlson. Uh, that's uh, said to be our top defensive pairing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dylan and Schultz is our second one. Chara and Jensen, uh, um, Zidane Chara and Jensen mm-hmm. uh, would be our third line. And Siegenthaler and Trevor Van Riemsdyk is sort of that fourth one that they're rotating in. Right. And, you know, they're still trying to figure out which six of those eight will make it and whether Sprung or Sherry are going to make it. Uh, Samsonov is our main goaltender and uh, Vanacek um, is um, going to be our a backup goaltender. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they didn't end up going with a veteran. Uh, so uh, we had had Anderson in practice and things like that. So uh, those are uh, some of the things. Let's talk about those lineups first. I'll get Carol's thoughts and I'll get Anna's thoughts. And then yeah. we'll talk about some of the players that we've sent down or sent through waivers. Carol, I know this is kind of the first you're hearing of some of those lines because they came out today. 
what are some of your thoughts on that? I know that they have run Ovechkin, Kuzi, and Wilson together as well. So we kind of know our top six and our bottom six. They may move around a little bit in that. But what are your general – what's your general sense? I mean, you know, once they do the final cuts, they've been, you know, it'll be another year together, another year, uh, you know, uh, with a new coach. I'm not, I haven't watched any of the preseason, so I'm not sure what they look like. I'm ready for the season to start. But it's going to be interesting. But, you know, their familiarity is definitely going to, you know, help with the transition and, you know, having those key pieces, you know, that, you know, you can depend on Nikki, Ovi, Oshi. Uh, you know, you got Rana, you know, starting to come into his own. And you have some of the younger guys. And you got Hagelin now on the fourth line. You know, I think that should help on the fourth line with the speed, with his speed, you know. The guys are going to, you know, have a little bit more jump. When they get on the ice, they know there's a possibility, you know, they might get a, get a goal along with playing, you know, gritty hockey. So, uh, offensively, I think uh, they're going to be versatile. And the one thing I'm, I'm not sure, you know, too much about Laviolette, following more closely than I have. I hope that uh, just like we spoke about with Dujanae about the defense and moving people around and, you know, putting them in position to win. I hope that he shows more uh, flexibility to adjust the lines if, you know, it isn't working, it doesn't stick with it too long. Because I know coming into a new situation, you know, you don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction, you know, change stuff up too quick, but then you don't want to stick with it too long if it isn't working. So, it's going to be interesting how he finds the balance to work with all of his talent and see how he, uh, you know, gets the lines to click in with the fact where we can have four sided lines like we saw in 2018 and then hopefully go on another championship run. Yeah, real quickly, I think ha- putting Haglin on the fourth line is great because he's a big part of your penalty kill. Mm-hmm. And I think having him well rested and not playing third line minutes, but maybe fourth line minutes, maybe opens up you know some more minutes for him on the back end. You know, on there, I think our, our penalty kill is going to have a different look. They were good last year, but now uh, Zdeno Chara, who was part of the fifth best penalty kill in the league last year, now joins the team, and he wants to put in those minutes that Boston yeah. didn't want to give him. I mean, we we briefly talked a couple of weeks ago about how incredible it was uh, that Boston basically said to their captain, we want you to play every other night and you're probably not going to be the captain and maybe you should be a coach for us. And he said, you know, I kind of want to see what I've got. I know that, yeah. and, and he's a workhorse, and he's, uh, you know, he practices well. And I mean, you could see it. I mean, he scored a beautiful goal. I, I, um, I, I put it on a post with cute uh, posts of, uh, Zach watching hockey, and I also included him watching Zdeno Char get his uh, goal. Uh, and I, he looked good out there, and he's got that yeah. long reach, longest reach in the NHL. And I think he'll be burying him on the third defensive pairing opens him up to be uh, for penalty kill moments. So uh, I'm excited to see what how the penalty kill, which was already good, but can maybe take it to that next level and maybe be a difference maker for this team. Anna, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that. I think that what we've seen from um, Chara, at least for for someone like myself, who kind of wasn't a huge fan when he was playing with Boston, uh, to come out and... Um, you know, show us, you know, his personality, that he's excited, that he has that drive. And, and I think that that's the most important thing right now is, you know, we all want that drive to get um, Stanley Cup and he's going to definitely give it his all, which I think is awesome. Um, and I do have to say, like, I like uh, those first two lines. Um, I really am going to hold a lot 
um, this season for uh, <laughs> kind of hold it over Vrana. I need to see that number 13 um, come out strong and be consistently strong. And I think that playing with Kuzi and Wilson is going to be um, a perfect little marriage there. I think that's a, that's a great line. And I always like the doubt Hathaway. You can't go wrong with those guys. Um, the Orloff Carlson. I don't know. I know you guys are not big fans of Orloff. We've uh, it's well documented that I'm the, <laughs> the big number nine defender here. His number nine is my favorite number, but I, you know, they look pretty good together. You know, and I think with Laviolette, who's a defensive-minded coach, mm-hmm. you know, Orloff has had glimpses where he's been really good. I mean, in that Stanley Cup run, I thought he was solid, right? right. Defensively, also not just on his offensive side, but I thought that he could be. And they, I mean, he's a really defensive-minded coach. If he thinks in through all of these scrimmages, all these practices, that he could have those top-line minutes, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Um, You know, obviously, they're going to be the top-line defensively when we're kind of gauging more offensively. And then I think that they they throw the Chara-Jensen line Mm -hmm. when they need to do the shutdown, you know. Yeah. So what's your number one defensive pairing might be different depending on situa- situations, you know? Right. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see um, how they work together. I understand the initial fear. It'd also be interesting to see with a shorter season this year, we only have 56 games. True. It's going to be this sort of grinded out um, style versus all these other Eastern teams, uh, which was the Metro plus uh, Buffalo uh, and Boston. Right. Uh, minus Carolina and Columbus, but Carol, give your quick thoughts on, uh, on how, uh, the schedule could maybe affect, uh, things. I'm going to let my dog out. Uh, well, I know, uh, they did some realigning, uh, went through it. I haven't had a chance to study it myself. I've been you know, so deep in football. Now hockey time is about to come up. So now I got to start you know, <laughs> caught up on everything that you've been posting. I've been so busy, but, uh, it's definitely going to, uh, play a role. Cause like you uh, mentioned before, you don't have to travel. You know, everything is going to be on the East Coast. You don't have a late game. And, you know, you have a steady, you know, consistent schedule where you don't have, you know, too many early. Well, I think they probably did so they had some early games. But, you know, when you go on the road trip. Just a couple, but mostly 7 o'clock, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, they get more consistent uh, start times. They, you know, can get into a routine. And as you mentioned, with the shorter season. You saw with uh, baseball and the Nats, you know, they didn't get a chance to, you know, get themselves together in a position to, you know, try to make that run to defend the title. So um, I'm I'm thinking it's going to definitely help each team along with the Cavaliers. And, you know, we're going to see how it plays out. I do think that having a team um, who's been together in a core nucleus, I know it's a new coach, but, you know, the chemistry doesn't need to be right. rebuilt, so to speak. I think it'll help a team like the Capitals. It could hurt teams like the Rangers and a lot of other teams that are mixing up, you know, their lines because they don't have those early games to, to get the chemistry or games that don't matter as much. So, right. uh, and as Carol kind of alluded to, you can't really start too slow. Otherwise, it could really – uh, hurt you because there's just not enough games to make it up like there is mm-hmm. an 82 game season uh and what are your thoughts on some of those things yeah no i i originally when i started to look at the schedule and i thought okay here's um is like eight teams and we play them each seven times or seven teams we play them eight times however it works out right. um could make or break you know some of the 
how things are to go because either the caps are going to rise up and say okay uh, we play, you know, the Rangers and this is what happened. This is what we're going to change the next time we see them. And then the next, you know, six or seven times that we see them um, or it's going to, you know, and so I think that there's like a benefit to that, but then I hate the fact that we're not um, able to see some other teams, um, you know, as consistently, you know, like there, there's like, I don't, I never really liked the uh, going to the West coast. Cause I was, as much as I am a West Coast girl, I uh, always had problems with um, how well the team did uh, and then the times and it was late games and whatever. So it's kind of a bummer to not see. Um, I was okay with that, but I wanted to see the you know, Canadian. You know, there's just some teams I'm going to miss, but I think this is going to let the team, the Capitals as a team come together and say, okay, like this is when we're really gonna like tighten everything and we don't have those extra games. So we're gonna come out strong and we gotta do, you know, give it our all. Real quickly, I just wanna, for people who may not have listened to our show a couple of weeks ago, the, the four divisions kind of will be silos, kind of like the um, different divisions were mm-hmm. in baseball. So the East teams play the East teams, the Central teams play the Central teams. So Florida joined the Central, right? The Florida teams. Yeah which is really interesting because now you got Tampa Bay versus Dallas, Dallas, you know, right? which is crazy. Seven, uh, they're going to play each other eight times, which <laughs> are the, there's never been a rematch of the Stanley cup eight times <laughs> in a season uh, before. So that's strange. Uh, the West kind of stayed the same. And then obviously uh, the East and West, all the Canadian teams went into one division, mm-hmm. which means that there's definitely four Canadian teams making one Canadian team will make the final four, which hasn't happened in a while. Uh, be interesting to see if that you know helps or hurts them. But there's some weird scenarios where you could almost see like a Toronto versus a Boston in a finals, which you yeah. could never have seen before. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see how this shakeup affects all these other divisions, especially the Canadian one. That's the most different from all mm-hmm. of them, I feel. Um, uh, so that'll be really interesting to see. Uh, and so the top four teams will all play. It'll seed one V four, two V three winners mm-hmm. of those will play for the division championship. Yep. And then they kind of go for a final four style uh, where uh, they get reseeded based on regular season points uh, for, you know, one versus four, two versus three again. Uh, Anna, some of your thoughts on some of that stuff. Yeah. I, I just, I, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, as a fan, um, Wow. So we're going to have to see, you know, Marshawn like eight times and Crosby eight times and players that we really can't stand, but you know, we don't have to see Ryan Reeves. So I'm a little bit happy with that. I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Um, But yeah, the whole, I think, I think we just have to get into the mindset of uh, COVID is just, you know, shaking up sports overall (laughs) across the board and that this is what it is and I'm just grateful that it's back um and that this is how it has to be and we keep the players safe by just keeping them within this you know division and and we can't cross borders with Canada I'm okay with it as long as they're playing (laughs) no I think that makes a lot of sense real quickly and then I want to get Carol's take on that too you mentioned Ryan Reeves and it reminded me and I just want to get this shout out in here I loved (laughs) that one of the, our fellow Caps friends, you know, Chip, who does a ton of modding for me in a lot of these Caps groups that this is going to be shared to. Um, I love the fact that he sent a cameo to Ryan Reeves to yeah. get him to try to uh, say something nice about uh, Tom Wilson. And 
uh, he he sniffed it out, and I have to I give Ryan Reeves a lot of credit. I thought wow. it was pretty funny what he did, yeah. and, it, and it went viral. Like everyone's talking about it on major TSN, ESPN. Oh. You know, it was on uh, Washington Post. It went oh, everywhere. So I, I shout out to Chip Tamlin, yeah. one of the best hundred dollars trolls I've ever seen. <laughs> hundred dollars to get something to go viral is cheap today. You know, so I was joking with him about that. I was like, man, you nailed that. Like that was. That was so funny. So I, you know, I'm happy we don't see Ryan Reeves, but I have to give him a little bit of credit. People should go check that one out. If, if yeah. But uh, Carol, while I try to find what Ginny's up to, give your thoughts on um, on some of these uh, divisional realignments and what you think it'll mean. I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting, you know, with the COVID situation, but they're trying to, you know, keep the game going. I saw a statement by uh, Gary Bettman that said that uh, it would be cheaper to shut the season down, but they want to lose, you know, billions because of the, you know, realignment and the things they're doing and, you know, restricting the, uh, you know, uh, fans into the stadium. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, it's just good that, you know, we'll have hockey back. I think, you know, with the realignment, we know it's probably not going to be permanent, uh, depending on how successful it is, you know, going in this first time doing it. It might catch on, it might not, you know, we'll right. see, you know, having all the Canadian teams play, uh, I don't know. That that might. I mean, that's cool, but what fun is that? You want to play those top Canadian teams because yeah. you know, what they bring to the table. So, you know, I don't feel you know want to limit which teams play which teams. But like you mentioned, you know, the border. You know, Canada isn't really letting folks come over. So, right. It is what it is this year, but it's definitely going to be interesting, and I hope that you know Caps can start off as you said. You know, start off on the right foot, and you know, don't get into a little hole and. Mm-hmm. You can see the team make the playoffs and see what happens when they make it. Because uh, they definitely have the talent, and you know, Ovi is getting any young. I would love to see him get another uh, another chance to go yeah. uh, drink out the Stanley Cup again. He's <laughs> not going to do that anymore. And wouldn't it be cool if he got to hand it to Zdeno Chara? What a weird story that would be. <laughs> you know, like that would be, you know, like, but but good for him. I mean, he's the longest tenured uh, captain in the league, and he yeah. basically was told by his team. No, but that's great. We're playing them again, as we've been talking about. We're playing them eight times. You know, usually yeah. we play them a couple of times. I mean, you're not going to get more insight by anybody. I don't care if they change their structure, whatever. I mean, he knows those guys. Yeah. And um, I think gonna, it'll, I think he's going to really prove, uh, you know, who his, uh, where his alliance is, you know, <laughs> and, it, and it's, of course, it's not easy. I mean, he's had 14 years in Boston. So, uh, but you know what? They, they gave him the opportunity and he wanted to to basically say, I don't think he left on bad terms. I think he no, just no, basically he said, said, said a, I've got said more they in me. Everything they wanted, and yeah. they, they were really great. And I thought it was really great that the media called in and thanked him for all of the years. It really yeah. sounds, like, sounds like we got a stand-up guy. And um, I'm excited to see what leadership, you know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Carol and myself, about the Brooks Orpic effect. And hopefully he can bring yeah. a little bit of that, what we had and what I thought we were missing. Um, I, I want to just quickly go through the, the people that were missing or mm-hmm. that we ended up cutting from the team or not cutting, but um, reassigned as they, they like to call it. Right. So, <laughs> um, so we've loaned a couple of players to Hershey. Uh, so Cody Clark, uh, Brett uh, Leeson, uh, Garen, uh, Garrett uh, Pylon, Joe Snively and Riley Sutter. Um, and then they've also um, assigned Axel. Um, uh, John- no, no, Johnson Fabili. Oh. Yeah, mm-hmm. from uh, Sweden. 
yeah. uh, to Hershey. And then there's Hendrick Lapierre has been loaned uh, to a Quebec major junior hockey league team. Uh, and there's a couple of players where they haven't made decisions yet. So they haven't made all their cuts and they're still trying to work out on contracts right now. I'm not sure we're even cap compliant. Right. They have to, they have to do some, um, you know, jogging of things to try to get their roster. I mean, they're really tied up against that cap. Well, uh, and I was, I was kind of bummed. I have to say I was, I was kind of excited to, to, uh, to see what LaPierre could do, but I understand there was a huge hesitation with him with injuries. Yeah. Um, so I, I can see where that's coming from. And the other one was uh, that Riley Suter. I was, I was looking forward to that kid. And I, and I do think that we'll, it's not the last time we're going to hear about him. Right. For sure. and, and so some of people will end up going on taxi squads, which are these sub squads that, you know, if some COVID something happens, they need to bring in other players. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how COVID plays into this. And uh, I, I know that you can hold more goalies. So I'm not sure Anderson's actually out of the mix yet. They might be trying to work on, uh, you know, a cheaper contract for him or getting him for the minimum or, right. or where they may have to stash him. I don't know if there's going to be an exemption list so where it doesn't count against the cap if he's not, you know, on the active roster but he's in this, I think they call it taxi squad. So I, I don't know how all of that works uh, into um, negotiating, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping it would be nice to still have a veteran presence somewhere on the roster. I know that Copley yeah. uh, has been you know, reassigned. Uh, so hopefully he makes it back uh, down to Hershey. I think he's on waivers. I think a couple other people are actually on waivers too. So it's, you know, the, somebody else can maybe pick them up. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, Carol, any of those names stand out to you or any comments about the construction of the roster. Yeah, you know, I don't know about these junior uh, <laughs> players. I let y'all. I'm, I gave you, I gave you a shot, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I'm, I'm just listening. Like, okay, okay. You say I agree with everything Anna says. <laughs> right, exactly. Got it on Thursday. All right, let's go. <laughs> All right, there you go. So let's just talk about it. We've got a couple of games coming up. Uh, we're gonna have three games before the next time uh, we talk. I'm gonna pull up uh, the upcoming uh, schedule right now. Uh, so we start on Thursday. Our first yeah. matchup is against uh, the Buffalo Sabers. So a new divisional opponent. Yeah. Uh, so we get to see them twice, Thursday and Friday. They do a lot of these back-to-back in the same arena this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so less travel, less, you know, teams dealing with other teams kind of thing. So right. Buffalo twice at 7. And then Sunday, um, this upcoming Sunday, 12 o'clock game, Pittsburgh. So uh, it's not like a Super Bowl Sunday one, but it is a playoff Sunday in the NHL, in the uh, NFL. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to start uh, that with a um, a game against uh, at Pittsburgh on Sunday. And then we'll play Pittsburgh again uh, the, at uh, still at Pittsburgh on Thursday, on Tuesday. So it'll be a couple of yep. days uh, between those. So we'll, we'll save the second Pittsburgh, but just overall uh, Buffalo twice and then playing Pittsburgh once. I know we don't, we haven't had any preseason games to look at. We don't have a whole lot of knowledge. Uh, what are you sort of excited to see, I guess, in general terms? And uh, uh, what is your expectation uh, starting our first three games on the road? I'll start with you, Anna. Oh, sure. Uh, I, I'm just excited to see how, uh, like what we've seen in the scrimmage and what we've seen in interviews and what we've seen uh, with the players just in general, they look excited and uh, they want to be out there. And I think that this is going to be the opportunity they know. I mean, they, they're adults. They know that they have to come out strong, that that isn't going to be a scrimmage against Buffalo. You have Eichel and Stahl to think about, but those are just two players on that team. Um, you don't know what Buffalo's up to, uh, you know, what they're doing. Like you said, we haven't seen any 
preseason stuff. So I think it's going to just be about um, seeing how LaViolette keeps the, how he is at the bench, like, you know, how, how he's going to control every, everything. Um, be anxious to see how Sammy does. And there's a lot of hype with him. And I think that I just, I just want people to kind of pump the brakes on that and say, listen, yeah, he has the ability, he has the skill, um, but let's not put all so much pressure and then start comparing him to Holtby or the, what if we had uh, Lundquist, you know, it's, it's apples and oranges at this point, <laughs> you know, he's, he's just starting off, but I will say that um, I liked hearing um laviolette saying that he likes the young goalies the the vanacek and then sammy they knew each other from hershey that they are friends but also that he thinks it's time to give um these two young players an opportunity so he really supports them and i think that's huge to have a head coach support the goalies um because that's going to help with the rest of the players doing so as well yeah, it's interesting you say that. I'm happy that Sammy got is okay. Remember last yeah. we left off, he got hurt with an ATV accident. So and he scary. Didn't even play in you know the playoffs, and I'm just hoping that the coach can still some of his just really drive and passion and his ability to convince teams that he's on to win early in his career. I mean, yeah. he within the first three years got to the cup with two different teams, right? So. Um, that's an important stat. And mm -hmm. I think it's something not to be overlooked. And uh, hopefully uh, he is able to really defensive first mindset, but continuing to still score and not get too bogged down, uh, but still continue to play well. So Carol, what are some of the things um, uh, we'll start with the two Buffalo games and then uh, uh, your thoughts on that Pittsburgh game as well. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Like you said, I haven't really got to see what the, you know, preseason and stuff like that. We see scrimmages and that's it. Um, it's all the money going to come down to, like you say, you know, Laviolette and him instilling his principles and the way that he wants to play and how quickly this team uh, absorbs it and buys into it. That's as simple as that. And, uh, you know, Buffalo, the team on the rise, they have some young stars that can make things happen. And, you know, Capitals going to have to make sure they uh on their game. Excuse me, uh, the two young goalies. You know, I've always been a veteran of a uh, fan of one veteran, one, you know, young guy. Mm -hmm. Now you got two young guys, you know, Samsonov. I haven't followed him too closely. I didn't know about the ATV accident. I remember he got hurt towards the end of the season last year. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how they, you know, step up and uh, try to see who's going to take over the role as the number one goalie with, on this team, you know, Samsonov. Had some work last year. Uh, uh -huh. The guy, I can't remember his name, I said, but he's, like I said, from Hershey. So, uh, you know, with Lundquist out, and they were looking at him to put some time in. It's going to be interesting to see how it all comes together because, you know, your team is only as strong as your goal. That's very true. All right. Well, Anna, we really appreciate you helping us uh, break it down. We'll get more into the Pittsburgh one. We really don't know what to expect with that team either. They could be up, they could be down. I don't know if we know enough going into this game, what to expect from that rivalry. Other than I like the fact that LaViolette has, uh, you know, played against them, you know, coached against them in many different times. Mm -hmm. So I think he understands, you know, that rivalry, especially, you know, with, uh, you know, Philly, 
but also um, even in his time with Carolina, although they weren't, I don't think in the same division at the time, because uh, I think he was a coach of them back when we were in the Southeast. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still obviously played them a lot being in the Eastern Conference. So he still understands uh, the intensity that that will bring. It'll be cool to have a, I'm sure that game must be on national TV. I don't know if it's uh, been announced. Oh. oh, I'm sure. But also when I looked at the schedule, there yeah, is, is that, that dreaded Super Bowl Sunday uh, caps pens. Oh, so they have, they have both. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I was wondering about that myself, yeah, which never um, seems to be a thing. No, no, it looks like we're playing Philadelphia on that matchup this year. Oh, are we? Or wait, is the Super Bowl the 14th or the seventh? I don't even know. I always thought it was the seventh. Like the. Yeah. Well, the seventh, we have a Sunday at 12, and that is against um, Philadelphia. And I'm going to guess that that is because the Sunday uh, on the 14th against Pittsburgh, which is true, is a three o'clock game. And usually. Okay. Yeah. They wouldn't do that. Okay. On the uh, Super Bowl Sunday. This will work in our favor. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe we play Philadelphia and we have LaViolette. And so that'll be actually his first time playing, uh, coaching against Philadelphia for the Capitals. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Um, coming off the hills of actually going to be playing uh, Boston earlier that week. So it'll be the first time that Zidane Chara will go against his old team. So lots of interesting storylines mm-hmm. towards the end of the month. Uh, just so people know, we play Buffalo twice, then Pittsburgh twice, then Buffalo twice. Those are our first six games. So we're going to talk a lot about Buffalo and Pittsburgh <laughs> over the next uh, two weeks, uh, both recapping and previewing uh, games there. But um should be an exciting season. I look forward to breaking it down with uh, Carol and Anna. Any, uh, oh, I wanted to say before I let you go, Anna, I did check out uh, the PowerPoint Point podcast this morning. Uh, I listened to it while I was working. <laughs> Fabulous show with you. Um, I know that uh, I did laugh when Gil said that you, uh, anyone who's worth a salt does post-production work on their podcast. We, <laughs> I, I'm not doing post-production on a three-hour show tonight. So Gil, yeah. I'm sorry. It's going up as is. So I, I'm agreeing with you, Anna. Uh, that you'll save a lot of time. Um, right. so, uh, but uh, I think know. he's worried about my language and having to to edit things out. And I'm like, listen, and I, I guess I don't give a fuck, you know, so exactly. like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. So that's really what know. it comes down to. And and he was good last night. It came out right away. I, I woke up this morning. And I thought, good go. Like you have this. I, I don't think I heard you cussing too much. So maybe that was I helpful. Didn't. So, uh, yeah. that, that, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. But um, I will say, no, thank you guys for this. And I just want to add one little NFL thing, uh, since I know Dujanae, when he was uh, finishing up and you guys were talking about uh, quarterback situation, um, Jimmy G is looking for a place to go. So maybe we'll bring San Francisco to uh, Washington. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know about Diropolo. <laughs> the rumors already going around. But like I say, we can only wait and see. The offseason hasn't even started. Yeah, sounds good. Well, if anyone wants to listen to more of Anna and listen to that Power Play Point podcast episode where they do um, get ready for the season in a, a fun way, uh, <laughs> we have a new podcast partners button on our pod on our uh, sportsothp.com page. And they click on that. Uh, and our next guest champ is on there. You guys are on there. We actually have four podcasts. Actually, all four podcasts are represented in tonight's show. Uh, so we have uh, the Power Play Point podcast with Anna. Uh, we have Dujanes. Uh, we have Champs. We also have Brian. So it's cool to have four different podcasts that are all represented in tonight's show. Uh, but people should definitely check that out.
Absolutely. Well, thanks again. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully great. have hockey a little earlier in future episodes. We'll probably flip it <laughs> I'll up. I'll be and more awake. <laughs> we'll, we'll flip it up and probably start around nine and start the show with hockey once hockey season starts next week. Yeah, uh, but, but I'm looking forward to talking about two, at least two games. So at least we can talk about well, three. We'll actually have the Pittsburgh three, game too. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's great. All right. Well, have a fantastic night. It was great to see you guys. And uh, yeah. Take care. And so I have to make sure I wear my, wear my cast sweater for you. Oh, yeah. I, I love it. Yes. I love it. Yes. Rocking That's fantastic. Red. That's what we need. And you know what? I don't ever buy a jersey because I always feel like I, um, I'm going to buy it and then, you know, something's going to either the team's going to go, you know, in the trash or that player's going to get traded. So I'm going to have to like find, you know, get my Caps gear out and, and that'll I was be wearing my and, and my background. Right. I was wearing my Hopi jersey earlier speaking to that. So I, I understand oh. that fear, but you know, best of luck to him out there. Uh, luckily yeah. we don't have to play him. So unless we somehow meet them in the finals. So, uh, yeah. so that's good. Um, but that's uh, too far off. All right, cool. We'll have a fantastic night and I'll see you guys soon. Yeah. Sounds yeah, good. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're also going to bring uh, Brian back in. We're going to do a speed round. Cause I'm going to try to finish this whole segment. By 11, although last week I said it was going to be a 15-minute segment and it ended up being 40 minutes, but it was fantastic, so I, I won't be too upset. Um, but uh, real quickly, Carol, just so that you know, we were going to talk about this during the football segment, but Dujanay went long and great, so we're going to do our own segment right now where we're going to break down real fast what happened last week in the NFL and our quick thoughts and predictions on uh, this week, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, but um, let's start off... Um, we'll keep it simple instead of going through all of them there were six games uh i will just quickly go over the scores real fast so people know are up to date with what happened and then i'm gonna let each one of you guys pick a favorite game um that wasn't the washington football team game because i feel like we've already kind of broken that down a lot um and then we can talk about that um and then uh we'll go on to this upcoming week and make quick predictions so um the other games, uh, Colts and Bills, uh, was a pretty good game, actually. Uh, the Bills ended up winning that game 27-24. Uh, to 24. Uh, The Rams and Seahawks, that was the surprise, one of the surprising games of the week. Uh, the Rams ended up winning that game 30-20 to 20 in Seattle. Uh, the Bears and Saints game I loved was on Nickelodeon. That was incredible watching the slime cam. Uh, I watched it with Zach. He loved it. Uh, the Saints ended up winning that game 21-9, but I think it was closer in the first half than that score indicates. Uh, we already talked about uh, the Buccaneers beating the Washington football team 31-23. Uh, to 23. Uh, We also talked a little bit with Tim earlier, but the Ravens were able to beat the Titans and outrush one of the best rushing attacks in the league, 20-13. Uh, to 13. And the most surprising game of all of them was the Browns outscoring the Steelers 28-0 in the first quarter. We mentioned earlier that was legendary. Uh, one of the worst first quarters ever for a team, especially a three seed. It was pretty surprising. Uh, the Browns ended up scoring 48 points and winning 48-37 to 37 over the Steelers, who are in a complete free fall uh, since the Washington football team. Uh, went took them from 11 and 0 to 11 and 1. So those were the games. I'll let each one of you guys talk about one game that meant something to you. I'm going to start with you, Carol. Uh, any game, or if you want to talk about two, I, I'm not going to be like one only. But you know, uh, what were some of your thoughts about wild, a uh, super wild card weekend? Uh, I guess the game that threw me off was the Seattle game. I didn't know that golf was going to play. 
I took Seattle up at the back. It was going to go in, but they golf. He was able to go in there and uh, handle their defense and uh, give Seattle his uh, fourth loss in five playoff games in the Pete Carroll the last uh, few years. Um, and then I guess the uh, in the Baltimore Tennessee game uh, with Derrick Henry. I mean, two thousand yards is a hell of a feat to do during the regular season and run as hard as he does and as fast as he does. You know, it was only a matter of time till you know somebody was going to have his number. And I was looking at some of the stats, and this was the one of the first games that there were a lot of uh, he was getting tackled by the first guy and not breaking tackles. So I just think that it was a combination of him putting up them yards and then leaning on him so much and Baltimore being a quality team that, you know, they, they played some good defense and they were solid tackling and they were able to, you know, take Tennessee out of their rhythm with the way they usually run the ball and, and uh, feed off the pass. So, I mean, feed the pass off their run, so correct to say. But, uh, yeah, those were the two games that were interesting to me. But uh, other than that, it was a good super wild card weekend, you know, three games each day. A good way to start the playoffs. Yeah, I loved it. I, I I ended up catching a little bit about all of them. Uh, you know, and I, I think uh, uh, I thought it was really incredible that all six games were on national TV. DC's People Champ. I'm going to go to you next. Um, two games that are not the Washington Football Team game. What were interesting to you? Right. So the first one that was really interesting was Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Obviously, the fact that Cleveland went out to a 21, 28 to nothing lead in the first quarter was just so telling and it just showed how exposed Pittsburgh was going into the playoffs uh, and everything like that and showing how tenacious that Cleveland, the, the Cleveland team are when it comes to playing. And so that was definitely a, a, a jarring one right there. Uh, the other one that really stood out to me outside of the Washington football team uh, was the Rams, of course, because when the alert came out that they said Jared Goff is going to be active, I'm like, fam, he literally just had surgery on his throwing hand almost seven days ago, and yet he's active. And not only was he active, but then he played in the game. And so that really stood out to me that Goff not only was active, but played, and they won over Russ, who really, really struggled in this game. He, he absolutely struggled. And it was because of that that L.A. was able to move on. So those are my two games was um, Pittsburgh and Cleveland It could be because of how Cleveland just absolutely boat raced Pittsburgh. And the fact that the, in LA, in the Rams were able to get golf not only in the uh, active, but in the game and win. Yeah. Brian, what were some of your uh, – what was your highlights, your top two games, let's say, uh, for last week? Well, I really want to talk about the Nickelodeon broadcast of the Saints-Bears game because yes. um, I, watched, I watched, like you, Robbie, I watched that from start to finish, and I'm really happy I did. I thought it was excellent. Um, I love how they explain the game for kids um, on basically every, you know, they explain pretty much everything. It was basically, it was kind of like football for dummies in a way. Um, the way they ma made sure everything was explained, and I loved all the Nickelodeon references. Like, they, Nate Burleson who was the color guy would be like, this is like when SpongeBob did this, or this is like when this happened on rocket power. And I, I love that. Um, it was, I, we need more of that. We need more of that in sports period. It was awesome. I would love to see that in baseball, for example, like in a baseball playoff game or like an all-star game or something would be awesome. Um, really huge credit to Nickelodeon for pulling it off. I thought it was excellent and much more fun 
than the um, the regular broadcast. And I guess the second game I'll talk about is um, Cleveland-Pittsburgh. I know Cleveland fans, I know a lot of fans, uh, I have a lot of friends who are Browns fans, and they've been waiting for this for a really long time. Um, you know, this is the first win, this is the first playoff win for the, uh, the, rev- the revived Cleveland Browns after they relocated to Baltimore. Uh, this is the first win for the revived Cleveland Browns and the first playoff win for the franchise since 1994. Um, I, this is a long time coming. And like, like Champ said, Pittsburgh was clearly dead tired and clearly exposed uh, in the, from the end of the regular season. And um, the Cleveland Browns deserve this win um, to go into Pittsburgh and exercise all your demons like that is awesome and it was awesome to see i don't know how they're going to do next week against the chiefs but kudos to the browns for winning that game yeah that's awesome i i want to say one last thought about the um uh, the nickelodeon game i love the special effects i mean it took them weeks if not months to put these packages together and these special effects they actually filmed a game earlier in the season and practiced all this stuff and run throughs and what they were going to have to do behind the scenes obviously it was never released to the public but i mean they that's what they kind of backwork they had to do to be able to put this production together and i thought that it was phenomenally done and I, I really am happy that they as you said we need more of that I think if people wanted to have the nitty-gritty I had it on two screens so I could watch the replays on the other one because uh, the replays were different completely produced differently like I like yeah. that the, the line has some cool graphics to it so it's easier to see where they're going to um, you know just little things like that that I thought were great and whenever they got in the end zone virtual slime would then go over it so it was very obvious when they scored uh, but then in the replays, they showed it naturally because I thought it'd be a little bit too much of a gimmick and they showed slime from different angles. Right. So yeah. um, but I was happy it was a combination of real football, but also something that the kids could really enjoy. So I thought that that was phenomenal, something we've never seen before. First time in NFL history. And I thought it went really well. And I hope we get maybe one of those games every playoffs. I think that, that would be great. Um, so and like I said, expand it to more sports. Don't just limit it to football. We need that in like baseball, hockey, basketball. I'd love to see it. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. And a lot of these parent companies could definitely do it. I mean, Viacom owns CBS and Nickelodeon. Uh, so if, you know, some of these leagues would agree to it. A lot of these uh, companies have, I mean, think about Disney and Mickey Mouse, like they could do something like this, you know, that, you know, they've got, you know, special effects teams up the wazoo. So, you know, for, so they, they could do something for the NBA, a la, you know, something that we saw, you know, at Space Jam or something. You know, there, there's opportunities there that you could do something fun. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see. I guess Space Jam is Warner Brothers, but, you know, there, there, there are so things that you can move do. into the divisional round and uh, preview these games. Okay. <laughs> Carol, Carol doesn't care about Nickelodeon. Yeah, right? I, <laughs> we're getting off on a tangent. We're talking about Nickelodeon and Viacom. Let's finish wrapping these games up. It's <laughs> who so we can wrap up and get about it. Okay, sounds good. Uh, divisional round, we got four games. Uh, we got the um, uh, the Rams at the Packers. Uh, it's a 435 on Saturday game. And then the night game is going to be the Ravens at the Bills. It's the 815 game. Uh, Browns at the Chiefs. That's uh, a three o'clock game. And Buccaneers at the Saints. That's the 640 game. I'll let each one of you guys uh, quickly break it down. Carol, uh, why don't you start off uh, with your thoughts on uh, the playoff slate? Uh, with the, you said the Rams first. We'll start, uh, the yeah, Rams, so, Ra- Rams, Rams, Packers. Rams, yeah, Packers. Packers, yeah. I'm anxious to see what uh, the Packers are going to do. They were getting hot towards the end of the season. 
I'm gonna go ahead and go with the uh, the Packers in that one. Um, Ravens Bills. Yeah, the Ravens Bills. That's gonna be interesting because Josh Allen has been playing some solid ball. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, he has the hanging over here. He won a playoff game now, so see what's gonna happen. I think. Uh, ooh. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna come back. Uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna go with Buffalo. Buffalo is playing some solid ball. I think uh, with uh, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs is gonna uh, give with the Ravens defense a little bit of problems. Um, uh, what was the other matchup? It was so the next one. I'll just lead, I'll lead you for each one of them. So it's easier. Chiefs Browns is the next one. Yeah, Chiefs Browns. The Browns playing some good ball. The defense is solid, but I don't know if anybody can uh, slow down Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Tyree Hill out there. So I'm, I'm gonna go with uh, Kansas City, and then the final game. Buccaneers Saints. Buccaneers Saints. Uh, ooh, that's gonna be a hell of a duel. Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Uh, Saints at home. Kamara's back healthy. Uh, depends on. It's one that depends on the referees and if they play, they call stuff that they did against the Washington football team. Uh, they that's going to be a tab of the edge, but I'm I'm going to say they're going to call the game better because they got more respect for the Saints and they like Drew Brees. So I'm going to go with the Saints uh, upsetting uh, Brady and the Bucks. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because both of those players, you know, are near retirement age. They're always fighting each other for these best of you know all time stats, uh, and they already got to play each other twice this year. The fact that they get to play three times in a year. Is pretty exciting. All right, I'm going to lead uh, DC's people champ through the gauntlet. Uh, we're going to start off with the uh, Rams Packers. Packers, 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 go pack, go. Uh, I just feel like Aaron Rodgers is on an MVP level this year. Uh, and he's just going to continue it and just get the victory. It's in, t- it's in Green Bay, it's in Lambeau. So you know it's going to be cold as all get out. It's going to be Packers all the way. All right, then Ravens at the Bills. I like I like the Bills in this one. Though, though the Ravens are very scrappy. They showed that in their victory against the Tennessee Titans. But Josh Allen has just been playing on another level this year and even playing on another level in this playoffs. So I really feel like they're going to do something special. The fact that this is their first playoffs in over two decades and they're just playing so well, I think that they're going to make it to the AFC Championship game. So I'm going with the Bills. All right, we got uh, the next one is Browns at the Chiefs. Chiefs! Uh, as much as I love how the Browns were able to boat race Pittsburgh, I just don't think their defense is good enough to deal with uh, Patrick where Mahomes at and, and that, that offensive dynamic with Eric Bieniemy calling those plays. So I'm going with the Chiefs. All right, the last one is uh, the Battle of the Goats, Buccaneers, Saints. Oh, this one is tough. This one is tough because, I mean, Tom Brady's showing that even even though he's not in the Patriots system, he can still play well. He is the GOAT, but so is Drew Brees. Man, if I had if I had to flip a coin, if I had to flip a coin, I would go with New Orleans. Simply because not only just flipping the coin, but also – they can run the ball a lot better, a little bit better than Tampa Bay can. I mean, Tampa Bay does have Leonard Fournette, but I think with Alvin Kamara in the lineup and healthy, I think they have to add someone with New Orleans. Got it. So just so people know the lines right now, um, 
the Green Bay is favored by six and a half. Uh, Buffalo is favored by two and a half. New Orleans is favored by three. And Kansas City is favored by 10. All right, Brian, I'm, I'm going to lead you through the gauntlet. So we got Rams Packers start. Um, I'm going with Green Bay in this one. Um, I think Green Bay is the better team. Aaron Rodgers is going to win another MVP award this year. Um, Aaron Donald is banged up for the Rams in this game. And if he plays the Rams, if he doesn't play the Rams have absolutely no chance because he's one of the best defensive players in football. So if he's out, the Rams are done, but either way I'm picking the Packers. Got it. Bills, uh, Ravens at Bills. Uh, Ravens Bills. This was a tough one. Cause I actually really want the Ravens to win. Uh, I like Lamar Jackson a lot and I want uh, my friends who are Ravens fans like Tim to be happy. But um, I just think Buffalo is a great team this year. I think they're almost underrated in a way. Um, I feel like people don't talk about them as much as the Chiefs. So um, I like the way Josh Allen's playing. I'm going with the Bills. All right. And then the uh, Browns at the Chiefs. Um, Obviously, I'm really happy. Like I said, I'm really happy the Browns beat the Steelers. But uh, I think their Cinderella run comes to an end against the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs are the defending champions for a reason. Uh, they're the number one seed in the AFC for a reason. They get it done at home, picking Kansas City. All right. Last one is the Battle of the Goats. Buccaneers at the Saints. What do you think? Yeah, this one's tough um, because, like, like you guys have said, this is, it's really tough to beat a team three times in one season, which is what the Saints would do if they win this game. Um, but I think they will do it. I think the Saints are playing some inspired football. Um, Drew Brees. This is his last season um, in all likelihood. He's already got a job lined up with NBC. So I think the Saints are playing inspired football for him. It's going to be tough, but I'm going with the Saints. So um, Packers, Bills, Chiefs, Saints. Okay. Uh, so you're, you're going with the home teams in all four games. Yeah, I believe I, actually Ken, Carol, and I all have the same picks. So, you guys all do. And yeah. I kind of had the, the same picks too, although I think that maybe the one that I think would be the most likely to upset is either the Buccaneers or the Ravens, right? So those are the two that I'm flip-flopping a little bit on. Um, I, I'm going to go uh, – I don't know if I want to pick the Ravens. I don't want to jinx them. But I, I, I do have some feeling that the Ravens are playing some inspired ball right now. So I would not be shocked if they are able to go to – I know the Bills are playing great as well, but uh, the Ravens have a pretty good defense. And um, it'll be interesting to see how, how having a crowd in uh, Buffalo, if that has a little bit of effect or not. Uh, so that's the one where I'm a little more wishy-washy, but all right, well, we, uh, got all of it in and we got it all in before 11. I'm going to let these guys have their final send-offs. We've talked about it before power play. Uh, if you go to the podcast partners button, it has the power play point podcast button. It's got, uh, the podcast with Dujanae. It's also got, um, DC's people's champs podcast and Brian's. So definitely click on that to listen to all of them, but I'm going to let each one of them give their shout out for their podcast real quickly in two minutes or less. I'm going to start off with DC's people's champ. What's going on in wrestling. All right. So this coming, this coming Saturday for the no spots podcast, we are going to have a nice little topic that was picked out by the Sith. And I challenge you to pick this one out. We are going to give our top five favorite wrestling matches of all time that we would introduce to a new wrestling fan. So definitely want to tune in for that. We're going to also preview Hard to Kill, which is coming up. Uh, we're going to actually, yeah, we're going to preview Hard to Kill, which is coming up that very same night, and recap Genesis. 
And we're going to recap the week that was and talk about that as well. So we got that coming up for you this coming Saturday on the No Spots Podcast, part of the True Radio Network, myself and the chef. Sounds good. Hey, thank you, people champ. You might want to get to the TV, man. They got Randy O and the Triple H going at it right now, man. I, you know what? I'm going to watch it tomorrow. I'm going to watch it tomorrow because I want to watch it with a clear mind. I want to watch it with a clear mind because it was <laughs> supposed to be Randy and Drew, but unfortunately, Drew McIntyre tested positive for COVID-19, so he's in quarantine right now. So that's why they did this because Drew is, is unfortunately in quarantine. So, yeah. Yeah, well, Triple H and Randy Orton going at it right now. They just started, and blood has already been drawn. Okay, I'm definitely going to watch this when I wake up in the morning. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Had to well, give you a teaser for your own show. There you go. Well, Champ, thank you, as always, for breaking down multiple different sports. I love the Caps you know, outfit. We got uh, a lot more Wizards and a little bit more NFL talk to talk about next week with you, and uh, we look forward to it. I will see you guys next week. Take care. All right, champ. Take it easy, Mike. All right, Brian. Uh, let people know uh, what they can find out on Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Yeah, um, new episode just dropped today. Um, we recapped all the uh, games from Super Wild Card Weekend. Um, talked about pretty much everything that happened. Then I did an interview uh, with one of my best friends, uh, Pat Stein. Uh, shout out to Pat. Uh, and his girlfriend, Becca, uh, was also on the show. Uh, we talked a little bit about... Uh, the TV show Shit's Creek, which we all love, um, which if you haven't seen, I highly recommend. It's a great show. Um, and then we talked about the Mets a little bit, making their big trade for Francisco Lindor. Uh, it's a great interview. Uh, I highly encourage everybody to go check out today's episode. It's a longer episode than normal. Um, that's just how it turned out, but it's a great episode. Go check out Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Follow us on, uh, find us on Facebook at Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Follow us on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at pbrian1991. A lot more content coming your way. Sounds good. Thank you, Brian. No problem. Have a good night, guys. All right. Take it easy, Brian. All right. And with that, we're down to two. Um, and it's been a, a fun show. I appreciate, Carol, you letting me start it a little bit early. I mean, we're already ending at 11. Who knows? We could have probably gone past midnight if we hadn't. So, uh, so I appreciate you letting me do that. One thing I did just want to um, shout out, I know it's a show not about politics, but I definitely, my thoughts and prayers to everyone that was affected in the Capitol situation last week. You know, it was, it was a scary time you know, here in DC and uh, uh, just, you know, everyone be safe. I mean, there's lots of threats of violence uh, happening over the next week or two. I just, um, you know, uh, I hope that everyone is able to stay safe and follow the advice of the mayor and just kind of stay out of DC, you know, for the inauguration. It's, it's rare that we tell people not to come to DC for inauguration, but I hope people listen to that. And that's my one little shout out and also stay safe, obviously with all the COVID stuff out there, but uh, it's just kind of a crazy time. No doubt, no doubt. Um, yeah, we, I talked about it enough last night on Anthem Bar Radio. I really don't have too much to say on the show about it tonight. Just uh, go check out the website, sports.com. I already talked about Rob. Already talked about all the podcasts and partners. Check out the link for Sports with PHP Apparel. Got a new sweatsuit coming uh, coming tomorrow. I just got uh, made up with Eric Cusa, one of our partners slash sponsors for the Bar Radio partners here on Sports with PHP. So I'll be having uh, some new apparel coming. You know, we got sweatsuits, 
and other stuff coming with the new logo that we have for the apparel line. Not the same as the corporate CHP logo that we have for our show. So be on the lookout for more stuff coming in that aspect. Uh, like I said, if you're looking for a new used pre-owned certified vehicle, come holler at me down at Waldorf Pond, the 2450 Crane Highway. They're just about every day. So if you're in the market, don't hesitate to inbox me, hit me up. You see the flyers on the page on the show that we're doing on my OBS feed. So <clears throat> just hit me up. Let me know what you're looking for. I'll make sure I have to make the best deal for you. And I'll make sure your dollars are straight. Uh, appreciate y'all checking us out as always. We hit a uh, 2,000 likes on our Facebook page. Uh, we've been getting great views, getting shares, getting uh, likes on our videos. So appreciate that as always. Keep on supporting the movement. You know, real DC sports uh, coverage is out there now. You know, we've been out here four years, going on season five now. So you know what it is, man. Share it. Let folks know it's real DC sports me. Don't just keep it to yourself. Let the folks know. Got some folks that know what they're talking about. Break it down every week. All the sports, best coverage, best insight, best knowledge around. I'm in the show as always with Renegade 703 Money Convo. It hit over 12,000 views on YouTube. Got over 500,000 streams on platform and on all uh, streaming platforms that he's on. So make sure you go check him out, follow him. Be on the lookout. So much more stuff coming. 2021 is going to be major for us. And you, hopefully, DC sports are the politics. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a motto. It's what we do. And I just want to spread it. Um,